Welcome to The Mariner with me, Chris Samuel Major. And we've got another interview. We found somebody else, another victim, another another volunteer. Uh, so this week it's going to be Phil Backman. Phil is uh, a sailor just like you, just like me. He is trying to plug it together, trying to work out what's going on uh, with his own sailing and his own boat. But he has a special power and his special power is that he is a brilliant woodworker. I got to know Phil when he came on board the Whitbread 60 Challenger with Spartan Ocean Racing. We've done a couple of transatlantics together. Um, he's done the Fastnet race with me, and he is a fantastic person to have on board a boat. A really good crew member to have when uh, things get a little bit tricky, someone I can really rely on. So I got the opportunity to sit down with him a couple nights back, uh, crack a few beers across the airwaves, and... Uh, and find out more about his his life away from the boat and what he's been doing. I knew that he had changed careers and had got into wooden boat building. I didn't realize quite how far down the rabbit hole he had gone with that. This guy has got some seriously interesting things going on with wooden boats. So you join us as we're just starting to get to grips with the technology and the idea of having a conversation uh, across the miles. Uh, but I hope uh, you don't mind sitting in and uh, finding out, as I did, all about Phil's life. But then in, whatever comes down the mast is not really... As a, like, no, it's maintenance yeah. issue. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but whatever it was, it used to add up to a lot of bailing, <laughs> like a lot, a lot of bailing. And then we had the, uh, the leaks, which were when we very first put the, the bunks into the side of the boat, uh, they were... Basically, you think, oh, it's the side of the boat. This is super, super strong. And then you realize, of course, what you're actually screwing into on the inside of a Volvo 60 and a Whitbread 60 is uh, just foam cord, like thin skim of, mm -hmm. of Kevlar material. You're putting your little self-tappers in. They're going into nothing. And when they do rip off, they then open a hole to the ballast tanks, which are full of water. So then you have these people saying, I, my, my, uh, my bed seems to be a little bit wet. So you go and have a look and like all the screws are starting to peel off the wall and uh, the water is flowing out and into their sleeping bag and then into mm -hmm. the villages below. So Yeah, I, re I remember <clears> that. I, uh, I, was, <laughs> I was building a little um, hook or latch or something. I forget what it was to hold on that uh, uh, chest, uh, that freezer or cooling box. That, yeah. that I was, that oh, I was yeah, yeah, that's right. And uh, I remember yeah. drilling into the hull and you looked at me with like almost like sheer like not panic but like what is he doing we are at sea and he's drilling into the hall <laughs> that's when i knew you'd be a brilliant <laughs> boat builder <laughs> although i did have a, a passing memory we were in uh, lanzarote and uh had a guy called uh rob copley on the boat who sailed with us a few times he's a brilliant um contractor and and you know he knows tools he knew, knows work but they were they were drilling into let's just describe as some area of the bilge, and uh, the the drill like suddenly disappeared into the workpiece. And when they took it out, there was this sprout of water, and they all looked to me like, oh. But actually, when well, they just drilled into one of the ballast tubes, so it's like, don't worry, just put a bit of sticker flex on it. You haven't gone through the hole, but um, yeah, you have to get used to it with those uh, 
with those boats, the fact that it's just such a thin skim of material and mm. then foam right. and then more material. And somehow that has strength, of course, but it doesn't have a strength for like a little thing going into it. It's very easy to get into it. <clears throat> but yeah, you, they're very you uh, get into, loose. If that wasn't, that may be like, that might constitute the beginning of the podcast. I have no idea. But I think the thing which I really wanted to talk to you about was the fact that you, um, you, when I first met you, you were engaged in making like this massive uh change in your life like this big decision because you were working for, a, for an artist right you were like the fabricator right so my my previous life was um, um i mean i i'm trained as a woodworker like that's oh. when it all started but uh, i sort of never got really comfortable with this like whole construction site wipe and uh then immediately started working at the foundry in my town um, and we would do a uh, very traditional like bronze casting for, mm. for artists like mm. the typical way would be um, the artist like sculpt something out of whatever clay or and drops it off at the foundry and we like make a silicon mold and um, like lost wax process, um, cast it in bronze. Yeah. And so that's how I ended up in this art uh, world, art fabrication. Didn't, didn't you tell me once that you had to make some like giant metal uh, structures, which were the artist had like squidged clay and then you had to, manufacture these things which included like the fingerprints of of the artist still on the from the clay wasn't that yeah that's that's one of that was one of the one of the bigger projects i worked on yeah um how, how big were those things when you made them um they were like uh i mean they were 36 meters that's like 90 <laughs> some feet um wow. yeah they were massive um yeah, that was cool. Uh, the that was a little bit further on. We started like opening up the whole operation, like um, implementing like more of uh, modern technologies and stuff. And one of them was like three D scanning. And that artist, he literally took like little pieces of clay and almost just like just, like smushed it in his hand, and. Uh, there were like the models we used, they were like, I don't know, five, 10 centimeters high. Yeah. And so we took those, um, made it like 3D scan, like super high res, and then uh, blew it up to like 30 some meters. So meters. Right. But then how do you like include someone's fingerprints and how big are someone's fingerprints when <laughs> the thing is 36 meters? Um. I mean, it's it's included in the surface, like the ah. so you the you you three D scan that little thing, and it it takes on every crevice, every like fingerprint that's on, it's in your scan, and then yeah. when you when you blow it up, then uh, it 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 still shows. It's just like like. And what's the material that you're making out of in the in the big? Th those are cast in uh, aluminum. Oh wow! Some people call it call it uh, aluminium. <laughs> yes, I used to be one of those people, <laughs> but I've learned. I've learned now that you can just 
change words, do whatever you want with them. It's not a problem. Right. Um, yeah, no, so the process was we would, like, on the computer, blow it up to to whatever scale uh, he wanted it. Or mm. that was, Didn't you uh, do, like, a famous singer as well once? I remember you telling me there was some singer that you did a 3D scan of. Uh, right, that was um, uh, Katy Perry. Oh, wow. okay. <laughs> how 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 much of it did you scan? Uh, just like the the, the he, like uh, the head. It was like oh, a bust. Okay, no problem. When you said you had a, made a bust of her, I was like, hmm. <laughs> <laughs> was, Do you still have that scan? <laughs> yeah. Um. So we did a lot of um, um, yeah, three D scanning, milling, um, all of that. And then combining yeah. it with with like foundry, like almost like ancient old like foundry technologies of like lost wax, and uh, yeah, we did we did a uh, I'd say like quite a quite a few of pretty interesting projects, and that was so also then, the like the thing that brought me to the US in the end, like or yeah. the end, like yeah. But then when I met you and you came sailing with uh, Spartan, that was the beginning of this like. The new life that you've moved into, yeah, well, the- almost. I would no, I would say sailing on Spartan was a uh, instrumental for that change. <laughs> oh, <laughs> you're like I better learn how to fix leaks. <laughs> uh, yeah, sort of. No, uh, I th- yeah, no. When I started uh, the first first few trips on Spartan, I was I was still working at the at that art studio. Yeah. Um, and then, yeah, sort of in in the midst of uh, changing things over. So my mm. my job at the at the at the art studio changed, and um, so in general, it was just a good time to like rethink sure. uh, certain things. And sure. uh, yeah, and I think uh, quite honestly, like going going sailing and. Uh, especially these longer like voyages yeah uh really helped to we did a few didn't we we did uh yeah i remember we did lunenburg to uh st john's we did st john's to the uk we did the fastnet Fastnet, as well. uh, uh, the marconi i did twice oh that's right that's why i'm getting confused because yeah Yeah. it's 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 (laughs) i was thinking like we were at sea for 20 odd days but it's two (laughs) two sets of we did it quite quick, actually, with you on board, didn't we? I seem right, to remember yeah. we... <clears throat> I just one I was talking about the other the, day. Was it like nine nine days or just under nine yeah, days? Yeah, a little something? under nine days, the first one. Uh, the first yeah. one was quick. Yeah, yeah. Um, As it, is that the one with Barry on? Uh, is Barry on Barry. One? Yeah, he was... And his wife... Uh, oh, no. What was his oh, she, name? She, yeah, yeah, she just... She just he was he was uh, on the flyer and then she jumped on in in Saint John. No, that was that was uh, Ed Finn that was on the flyer, oh. and then that was uh, Gina who jumped right, on. Right, right. <clears throat> oh, so it was maybe a different year. Was that not the first time you did it? Who there was, was Barry. His wife was. Oh, he's very English, very very English, and uh, <laughs> we might have to cut this bit out of the podcast to try and was it she Helen? She was called Helen. She met him in England. And they were like waving flags and. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. He nearly killed himself on the last, <laughs> the last moments on the boat. He went over the stepping ashore. He kind of swung his leg over the rail, completely 
missed the rail basically and and ended up on his back on the on the on the dock but um <laughs> in front of, yeah, he, in front of the audience <clears throat> yeah right in front of the audience he um she was uh she did the whale watching stuff in briar island i remember helen yeah he drove a little hmm. mg but uh no, they were they were awesome but uh yeah the the marconi in october like that that's a pretty quick that's a pretty quick quick way to cross the atlantic right yeah we were, fl- we were flying for some of that but I've had one since I did, uh, we ended up 13 days it took us to get there. We, uh, (laughs) and we had to go to Ireland. Like there was no wind. The wind was against us. It was everything you don't, (laughs) don't want an Atlantic crossing, (laughs) but, um, yeah, sure. A good time had by all, of course, but it was, uh, yeah, I, 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 I do like it when it's the end of the year, but remember coming out of, um, Newfoundland, I think the, uh, the coast guard in Newfoundland were like, are you aware of the weather that's out there? (laughs) Are you happy that your boat can take you? I'm like, Oh yeah, we'll be fine. <laughs> just put everybody inside the boat and I'll drive. It's fine. <laughs> yeah, I think that would, but that's, uh, I think pretty much what happened the first time I was on the boat. Yeah, yeah, it was. It it's was... So, so early on in the voyage, it's yeah. just better that the, the people that are new to the boat just relax, right. go to sleep, hang out. And it's only going to take 12 hours to get through this. But uh, yeah, but there's, uh, oh, that's right. And you had that wonderful um, neoprene, jacket the orange and black jacket which yeah, i still have it <laughs> it's because indestructible right noah probably had that jacket right <laughs> no, it's uh, it's still uh still alive still in use so you did the you did the stuff with us and then you thought uh i'm gonna, I'm gonna make a big change here then you but obviously now i understand you had this woodworking background in the past but then that was a pretty big decision because that was a long course that you got involved in in newport right right um it was a big change, uh, but so I I decided to uh, join um, a program in Newport. It's uh, called Iris, um, not to be confused with IRS. <laughs> <laughs> yes, <laughs> like he joined the IRS. Yeah, <laughs> um, accidentally. No, what's Iris stand for? Iris stands for uh, International Yacht Restoration School. Oh, sure, okay. And uh, it's a a two-year vocational program um, mm. that teaches very traditional um, wooden boat building. Yeah, um, and it's they they expanded their thing, uh, their classes or their courses over the years. So they they brought on like m- marine systems. Um, then later on, they brought on uh, uh, what was it called? Uh, composites. And now there's also like a 3D modeling fabrication class. Oh wow! Okay. And uh, but started the whole thing started with like very traditional wooden boat building. Like, yeah. Like and port. is that the best place to start with that? You start with a wooden boat building, and that gives you what you need to know to move into the other things. Is that the right way to kind of approach it? Uh, I mean, there's there's a lot of a lot of uh, people they do. Uh, let's say. Uh, Wooden boat building and then going to systems. I think that's a very, uh, uh, like a very complete package of of uh, of knowledge. Like I think then you can do, um, pretty much not everything, but uh, a lot of a lot of things on a boat. Yeah, if you're referring to like a modern boat, and I guess all the words transfer over. I know that from being like working as a tool ship rigger and then going into more modern stuff a lot of the words go across. And if you're trying right. to describe a part of a boat, often you end up using, like, if you're talking about the garboards or you're talking about the, I know, the the deadwood or the 
uh, what are those things called like stone timber the right called the horns at the back or the breast hooks or something breast like that hooks, like yeah you, you, i had to i had to actually look that up when i was doing the joshua slocum uh reading the other day yeah. and i was like breast hooks why has it got that i'd love to know where that came from because clearly that little flat panel that goes at the front has got nothing to do with breasts or hooks or anything else but uh way way back maybe it had more of a kind of uh, meaning but i i guess it gives you the the the, the lay of the land, the geography, and the, the terminology then to really discuss uh, yacht design. Yeah, absolutely. Um, um, as you said, like the the terminology, sometimes not, it's not easy to explain, but uh, I think that's like throughout boats and throughout sailing. I think it, like when I started sailing, I was like, I had such a hard yeah. time to... Like, <laughs> but you're like, good at languages, so <laughs> you can pick it up quicker than other people. You, yeah, but you speak like French like, and German and English and all sorts, right? <laughs> yeah, but it's, it's literally its a, its 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 own language. Oh, so. it's its language. Yeah. That's one thing I've had to learn as, as a as a sail, train, a sail trainer, which is most of what I've done, is uh, don't get too caught up on, uh, on the words and when we're doing sail training because um, maybe someone just needs to hear upstairs and downstairs and left and, and right left and, and right yeah yeah, uh, yeah because yeah. it's just uh, otherwise the message doesn't get through right but i guess once you're in the in the uh, woodworking shop and in, in any kind of uh, boat building situation uh, that's an absolute key ingredient so right so most like most parts they they translate like uh, yeah even through modern boats but it's funny like the the person i'm working with uh right now he's he's german and uh, sometimes uh, we end up speaking in German, and I realize I have no clue what these, what these, what yeah. any of it is called in German. Yeah, right, like, right. So that's, it's kind <laughs> of. I funny. had that with um, some of the guys who are joining us for the Quebec Saint Malo race. Um, they came on board doing the training, and uh, same thing. Like they know all the words for the bits of the boat in French, and then they don't know the word for the the same word in English. So like mm. I have to start learning like a backstayers bass tack and tree board and bar board and all this kind of stuff. Mm. I'm being assisted by the fact that um, the, the, the pride of Nova Scotia, the open 60 had a, a previous French owner and it's written on everything. Like Dominic Wav is a really experienced sailor, like eight circumnavigations. Like if this guy's doing something, you have to always like work on the base that maybe that's the right way to do it. But I think he does have like a kind of, um, a habit of writing what something is on it mm-hmm. so like everything's got like tap vent bolt screw nuts like it's virtually <laughs> like every single brad board trib board but i think it's i think it's because he knows that when you get tired and you know obviously it's not on nut and bolt but it'd be on every valve and every 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 single thing he knows i think when you get tired and you start making mistakes it's just good to have it written down there. And he's very keen always to put what's um, port and starboard, I think, because he's aware of the fact that if something happens, the boat ends up upside down, you can end up making some kind of error. But um, I've, I've, I've learned loads of French by just reading uh, everything that he's left written all over the boat. I mean, that's uh, it's one theory. The other theory is he just bought a new label maker and just got <laughs> totally carried away. <laughs> that's... Yes, that's well. I think now I could continue the story because the the next owner was Japanese, and he definitely had a label maker because freaking everything's got a label that's in Japanese. But I don't know what any of those say, so I just uh, I just tear those ones off and try and learn the French. But is, um, is he the <clears throat> Japanese keeper who's now in the one day? Uh, Kajira Shiyashi, yeah, yeah, huh. yeah. So it's uh, this was his uh, boat that he did the Velux Five Oceans race in. So he um, 
he uh i think he cut his teeth with with this boat and then he went into the vendee last time but dismastered so mm-hmm. um yeah it's he's the only guy really out of asia that's doing any kind of sailing and and he's he's good at what he does he was very unlucky last time but um yeah, let's see if he can do. Are you, are you playing the virtual regatta? No, but I, I, I'm, no, no, but I'm following the race like uh, pretty closely. Uh, hey, virtual regatta is pretty good. <laughs> <laughs> I, I started off like meh, yeah, maybe I'll give it a go, and then you, because you've been there, it like it's I don't know what the be like having a smoking game when I mean, you've been a smoker. I'm like, yeah, this is great. Let me give me some of this. So then I'm sitting there at night. I've got all the lights turned down and. It's got these very realistic wind noises and everything. I'm like doing the routing and I'll do the routing again. And then by the time I've done the routing like eight times and I'm trying to root for other people, I realize like this is nothing to do with the game now. There's some little monkey part of my brain which thinks I'm back on the boat and is <laughs> treating this. And then I actually went into like the different camera angles because it's like on the side deck, on the bow, and I'm like just check yeah. the rig, make sure everything's okay. So yeah, I've definitely, uh, but I've discovered that. Um, Maybe I a should bit start like, now. <clears throat> start, but I think that what they've got, I think what they've got is like a, a patrol vessel, which is like joining the fleet. It's an electronic representation. If you start, you kind of start mid-fleet. I think that's oh, how you it's can, working. You still can? Yeah, you don't join oh. at the back. Well, I don't know that for a fact. It would be, I think it would be silly from the game makers if they're like, nope, that's it. We've I mean, you're just hanging people. out there with, uh, <laughs> what's, his, what's his name? Shevemi Beyu. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Poor guy. Where's he up to now? What's what's the latest I've seen today? Uh, uh, I think I mean he's trailing, but he's he started yeah. again. He's he's started somewhere. Yeah, uh, yeah. No, he's. I mean, he already caught up quite a bit. He's somewhere. There's around. there's been some amazing stories of catch ups. I remember. Um, was it Michel Desjoyeau? Uh, was that two thousand and eight or two thousand? Maybe it was two thousand twelve. He uh, he went back in for repairs, and I think he started forty four hours later. Mm-hmm. came out and basically hand steered for 10 days uh and then was back with a fleet and um i find that completely incredible because firstly you need to have the skill set which means that you can uh drive a boat faster than the autopilot which i for one know that i can't All and right. you need to be committed to it so early on in the process you're like hey i'm gonna fix this problem by i'm gonna steer if i fix the problem by me steering we'd just be like even further back like that would be mm. Dreadful. I, as I, as people know who sail with me, I, I start chatting to folks. I get distracted. I'm, I, I steer to conditions. I'm 50 degrees off this way and that way. And, <laughs> and autopilot, I can tell if it's two degrees off. But when I'm steering, I'm like, yeah, whatever. Like, <laughs> it's, uh, it, I would not be getting any further forwards. Is that ting? My goodness. What? What have you, what have you got? It's called a uh, hazy oh. IPA. Oh, maybe I should go and get. I, Kind of was on a call before I uh, got into this. Maybe I should have to take two minutes here and go and get something. Sure. I did say to get the beers ready, didn't I? Yeah, you did. <laughs> I did. I <laughs> see so you're taking me to my word. Yeah. Here, give me two seconds and sure, I'll, uh, sure. I'll, I'll go and grab something. Yeah. <clears throat> okay, I'm back. All right. I have a dirty secret. The dirty secret is that um, there's actually no beer in this house. (laughs) 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 So (laughs) I I don't want to like destroy all of the um, stereotypes for sailors, but um, I actually drink very little. Right. But in honor, I have uh, Captain Morgan's with uh, 
San Pellegrino and Lime Cordial. So oh, nice. I don't know what exactly this is called, but it's lime and rum. So che- oh. cheers to you. Cheers. <laughs> good to see you. It's good. I don't know why we haven't done this earlier. I think COVID has made everybody get very happy with uh, with interacting through the computer. Right. It's uh, I'm, like every single thing I do now is... I, I've been in I've been locked down in this house for 22 weeks this year. <laughs> wow, <laughs> that would be like house arrest in any other any other time of the world. But um, between um, uh, when I first came back from uh, the Caribbean in March, when it all sort of kicked off, mm. um, I got back then, and we just went out and bought like loads of food before everyone started hitting the stores, and we didn't come off the property for like 12 weeks. We just Let's just see how this goes. Let's see what happens. Not really because we were that worried of the COVID per se. We just like weren't sure what what was going to happen. Just yeah. we have you know three acres here, right. and <clears throat> there's the barn, the house, the the boats down there. There's like plenty to do. You don't need to go off the property right. particularly. And then uh, me traveling to the U.S. to do some work, and then um, my cousin came to stay uh two or three friends have come to stay and like you keep adding that up at two weeks at a go mm. i had a really nice um chap getting contact with me brian the other day he's like do you want me to come and uh help out with the boat i'm like you know i just can't, I can't do any more lockdown <laughs> like you know i get excited when i go to the shops because i i so rarely go to the shops now i have to um get everything brought in because i'm, I'm been on lockdown for like months literally so how how has covid affected what you're doing with the um not so much actually we were um when everything's like when the whole thing started um we were not quite sure how it's going to affect uh, like um our business but then also like what's going to happen to all the regattas and yeah so that's that's for us like uh, here around newport you have um a lot of this like classic yacht regatta so that's we're oftentimes involved in one way or the other or stuff breaks and we have to like do an overnight fix or whatever yeah so with not knowing what's happening to all the events and so we were the and yeah, with the with the industry in general we were like a little bit on uh like on the fence but then we realized all, like a lot of people were realizing they they're not gonna go on vacation this summer. They're all gonna stay yeah. home, and yeah. and some and they have this old like wooden boat sitting behind their shop or their barn for the last twenty years. And like, oh, yeah, we're, we're yeah. not we're not pay, we're not spending money on airfare. Um, why don't we put a little money in our boat and uh, fix it up and uh, go sailing? I see that. I think that um, uh, people's houses are looking tidier. People's oh, yeah. lawns and backyards and everything are looking tidier. I think those classic cars are, are like getting looked at. And, and you're right, like oh, yeah. old wooden boats are I getting mean, looked at. Yeah. No, that's uh, <laughs> so for us, it wasn't too bad, quite frankly. Great, um, so we had. We're getting it. Getting ahead of ourselves here, though, because we don't know <laughs> what what it is that you're doing. Of course, we haven't got All to right. that bit. I've, no, we, yeah, I've got right. your. Uh, we are still. Like yeah, I've got your. I've got your uh, links here, which I'll I'll get to at the at the end. I want to include those. Well, we are still, um, we're still at Iris. Yeah, that's the thing. Like, right. what's what's going on with Iris? How so, is she? <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, they're they're us. They they had to adapt to the new situation, but 
Iris itself is like a it's it's really a a, a fantastic program. Mm. Um, so, so this is literally like two two years of like working just right. like taking a job. Exactly, it's like yeah. it's uh, it's on on the floor like you, it's, it's hands on training um, and it has um, it has been I guess funded by or founded sorry by like real like wooden boat enthusiasts um, who who understood that there's there's a very like rich culture rich uh, history uh, around here. And it's mm. it's there's a risk of it dying, like knowledge getting lost and yeah, the, the whole thing dying out. And so they started this program, um, I believe, a little over twenty years ago. And uh, over the time, they really developed, brought in uh, what I said, like these other programs. Um, but the main, I think, their 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 main thing was still the traditional wooden boats. Um, so and it's great so you've you start there um so the first thing you get is a beetle cat okay uh, what's that uh, for, for the, like a beetle cat is like a 12 foot um uh gaff rig it's like cat oh, sure. cat boat yeah it's like it's like this super beamy little thing like um, a beetle shell i guess is that the hull's like a beetle no it's uh it's like uh it's b e e t e l uh oh okay oh it's just the, the name of the designer the, or something right yeah. yeah it's uh it's it's an amazing history like the beetle family they used to build um whaling boats in out of right. new bedford um so but not the not the ships the the actual like the whaling like the rowboats the rowboats yeah right yeah and they had a system down. Um, they prefabricated the all their parts, like from, from like backbone, uh, stem, like all the planks. Everything was patterned, and they had everything ready to go. And they were able to put one of those together in forty-eight hours. So people think that that kind of uh, automation started with Henry Ford, but clearly he got his ideas from elsewhere. It was already in existence. Long it, it was long before. So yeah. the, that beetle, that beetle company with their whaling boats was was uh, is is way up there um, mm -hmm. when it comes to like assembly line or that kind of thing. And yeah. funny enough, they so they when whaling industry went down like uh, downhill. Um, they designed this little cat boat for fun, and uh, because they they also thought they have to like venture into new like fields what they what they're doing with their shop and their knowledge, um, and it's still in production as of today. It's the their wow, yeah. How long how long is that then? How long have they been doing it? Um. So the the cat boat uh they're celebrating their centennial um next year. Mm. And wow, twenty one, yeah, uh, nineteen twenty one, and it's the what is it the the one like the one design boat that's uh, the longest in continuous production, uh, wow. like of all the boats in the world. Wow, it's, okay, it's pretty amazing. I've never even heard of it. There you go. This no, is, they're cool. This they're I'm talking to, and so they they. <laughs> Obviously, the the company changed ownership over uh, the years. Um, 
at some point it was owned by Concordia. Mm -hmm. And uh, I think, not 100% sure about the history there, but they split it up. And I think part of it, they kept the rights to build them uh, as in fiberglass. And sort of not, they thought like fiberglass is the new thing. And yeah. so they sort of gave away the the rights for to someone else to like keep building them in wood. And um yeah, the fiberglass never took off and but the the wooden ones are still around. And yeah. it, it's 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 funny, I think they fiberglass has got so many benefits, but um there's not much that looks better than a beautiful little wooden boat. Right. And and I mean yeah, according to to the to the company's website, they they built over four thousand of those over the years, and uh, right now are they are they raced or are they yeah are they just yeah it's, yeah, yeah it's, okay it's, it's they're it's a very active fleet all over New England uh, the oh, east coast there wow. yeah yeah and uh, I'm gonna have to get a picture of one of those up on the screen here so you have to help me with the, the spelling there but, um, it's a B double E T L E Okay, beetle cat boat. Right. Oh yeah. Okay. Right. Huh. Maybe I do know these. And so the company is Beetle Inc. is now in uh, Massachusetts, Wareham, Massachusetts, and uh, they they restore and maintain um, these beetle cats. They it's it's I went there on a tour once. It's it's really funny. They have like they have the shop where they like varnish and paint and repair and everything, and then huh. in Behind, I recognize this. Yeah, be, behind the the building, there's like these these sheds. They're almost like warehouses where they store, offer winter storage, and you walk in there and it's like this high, like storage shelf like yeah. units, oh, and yeah. it's just like <laughs> jam packed with these. I've seen. Yeah, I love beetle those. cats it's, in, it, in all colors. It's an uh, engineer got involved in uh, Marina. He's like, hey, we can put these in the air. Like they've got these huge Dexian shelvings things. And uh, mm -hmm. yeah. Hey, I, I recognize this. There was actually one down at the uh, at the yacht club here, the Lunenburg Yacht Club. Um, maybe a month ago, I was having a wander around and I'd never seen anything like it. It's the only time I've ever seen one. Um, and I, I think it's, I'm just, I put beetle cat boat into Google mm. and then like the first green one is exactly what I saw. It's right. uh green and a, and a kind of cream deck and very very wide right unbelievably yeah. wide <laughs> yeah and i mean they're yeah, they're just popular here like a lot of like if you talk to people a lot of like people have they learn sailing on these and sure and the the funny thing in at this uh beetle ink company right now is they they still have the original molds yeah. um and you can see because they moved shop, um, uh, what they what they did, they just they literally they cut out a piece of the shop floor and and transported the molds like mounted on the shop floor all in one piece to the new location. <laughs> so <laughs> so it, so at their new location in the where they are now, you, there's just like this little platform. With this old shop floor and uh, this, oh, that's awesome. They're not they're not like a hundred year old molds, but they I think I forget like the, the uh, they're from the forties or something. Sure. So sure. they're like hundreds or thousands of 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 these beetle cats have been built on this on these molds. 
on that one mold. Yeah. <clears throat> I'm glad that they kept the exact one. That's pretty. That's pretty awesome. Yeah, no, it's re- it's great. Yeah. Yeah. So you're uh, so you get your going back to Iris again. We have to right. keep, we have to like yeah, we have to some keep kind going. of continue. But you can see how I get stuck on tangents, right? I know. Um, the uh, uh, so you get a beetle boat, uh, beetle cats, right? Right. Initially, uh, I guess, and then that's yours to maintain to restore. Is no, that no. The idea? So they 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 get donated to the school, and after, right. like they're when they're like at their end of their life, they get uh, donated to the school. And as a student, you get one of those and yeah. you start taking them apart. And, and that's where this whole, like, um, uh, I think you touched on that uh, on one of the previous episodes and this whole Lloyd thing, like, if you replace, yeah. if you replace every part in one go, is it still the same boat <laughs> or if you... And well, one of the boats that um, has that question mark around it all the time is the is the Blue Nose here in um, right. in Lunenburg, of mm-hmm. course. And uh, that the the way that that was, I understand a lot of that story, and I understand it from the point of view of the designers and the and 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 the fact that it's they were trying to they were trying to make something different than what the original boat had been. The the Blue Nose Two was was built actually relatively quickly, and it was built. Um, I think it was actually there was a beer that was being um, brought out by Alexander Keith's uh, here in Nova Scotia called Blue Nose, and they wanted to build a boat to like promote it. Mm. So what they created was pretty fast, but it became such a huge thing that um, when the new design was put together, the 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 thing that they were, uh, the designers were asked to produce was a, a wooden boat that wouldn't hog in fifty years, mm-hmm. wouldn't, wouldn't bend its back for the readers. They for, sorry for the listeners here they. It wouldn't bend its back in fifty years. That's a big ask of a of a wooden boat that it's oh, not yeah. going to bend its uh, back. So um, they basically had to start afresh. So quite where exactly philosophically uh, the old one started, the new one began yeah. is a bit of a question. But Slocum put it Slocum put it uh, pretty nicely in the book. I can actually I think reach under my desk here. <laughs> I have a first edition of Slocum's book that I'm uh, reading from. And he said uh, the Jane built new from or something. What he had that little bit, didn't he? That he was talking about. But uh, but it was actually you that taught me that when I was I came to visit you in Newport, and they were rebuilding that ship, and every single part of it was new. But at every point going through the process, it was still recognizably the same ship. Is is that where it kind of comes down to that it has to always be? recognizably yeah. the same ship right uh i guess there's a little bit like variation in and like what 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 the rules or the thoughts are behind it but the the way you were taught this so you you prop up your boat and or your, your the old boat and you start taking it apart like piece by piece and uh so in case of of these beetle cats we would uh take most of it off, but then start bending um, new frames into the old. Yeah, uh, yeah like, exactly. So you always have, I, th- I think in this case, the, 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 the rule is like you, there can't be two boats at the same time. You cannot have like your original boat standing on one side as a reference and then build another one uh. on the side. Yeah, uh, what I love about uh, Slocum's book is a hundred years, hundred twenty years later, he's getting involved in the conversation. <laughs> he says uh, it's a law in Lloyd's that the Jane repaired all out of the old until she is entirely new is still the Jane, 
The spray changed her being so gradually that it was hard to say at what point the old died or the new took birth, and it was no matter. Right. So it's it's so you can't yeah you can't take all the pieces and then jig them all up and make new bits and then put the new one together. It has to be one or the be the other. Right. And so it's this thing like at like uh, at my work like we we take care of old wooden boats. There some of them they're yeah a hundred years old or close mm-hmm. to. And yeah. over the time of their of the last hundred years, at least every single part has been replaced at some point. Sure, maybe not sure. at maybe not at the same time, but but. Uh, well, I think this this answers, as I said in that podcast, it answers the question: um, Is Granddad Axe Granddad's Axe still Granddad's Axe if it's had five new heads and five new handles? And the answer is yes. Yeah, because <laughs> you didn't replace both at the same time, right? <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, fair yeah, enough. Yeah. It's an inter- I actually went on to uh, wooden boat forums and, and I saw that question being asked and, and answered uh, around the blue notes because mm. um, there was all sorts of question marks. I think what's important here in Lunenburg and in Canada is that the boat is is on the water doing whatever it can for the longest possible period. And um, I, I think there was a whole hoo-ha around that because it was very expensive. It took longer than they expected. Yeah. But ultimately, if you'd taken it down to Newport and asked someone like... Uh, is 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 the Newport Wooden Boat Building School? What's the actual name of the institution that runs Iris? No, the, it's called Iris. Oh, it's just called. Oh, sorry, I yeah. got myself confused. I thought it had some other name. But uh, so, if you took a hundred and fifty foot ship down to Iris and said, "Please sort this out," there's going to be a very big bill that goes with that and a very long period of time. And I think here in Nova <laughs> Scotia, they were just a little bit, a bit uh, optimistic right. <laughs> on both fronts. But what it came out to is pretty much what you'd expect. Yeah, but I guess like, you, ha- you have to be a little optimistic if you go into a project like this. Uh, <laughs> like you're not, you're yeah. not, you're not even starting <laughs> if you're like. But it's always better if the people that are running the program have done a marine project before, and if they have some kind of concept of what's going to happen. Sure. I think what happened here is they had a government body involved, and they, um, th- they were, yeah, they were like, yeah, it's going to cost like. 20 million and take 18 months and it was like 35 million and took three years so. well, yeah. <laughs> but um yeah sure but uh at least it got rebuilt that's the main thing and um the so that's so you you, you recreate something out of the old um i saw you though dealing with things that are much bigger than beetle cats when does when does the next step come as a as a student how long does it take to get before you're unleashed on the real thing yeah uh, in this case it's so you, you the beetle cat is your your first project, and the reason why they picked the, that beetle cat is because even though it's a small boat, but um, with the heritage of these uh, whaling rowboats, they had to be like actually like seaworthy, and yeah. so the way they're built is like is applicable to to any size boats really, so sure. the. The way the backbone is built, the the whole construction method, therefore, is is a you, you just blow it up and you build a bigger boat. But so that's that's why they like um, a beetle cat as sort of a a, a smaller example. Um, when when you're dealing with wooden boats, like um, as as you know, I've I've been around a lot of boats for a long time, but I don't know much about construction. But they all seem to have basically the same thing there's a big thick bit that runs down the middle and then there's these ribs that come up from the sides is 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 that kind of like where technology got to or is that just 
are there lots of variations on it or is it now a pretty set thing you're going to have a uh, you're going to have some kind of backbone to the thing you're going to have these ribs and yeah. do you have to learn about all sorts of different methods or is it just really one method of building a wooden boat um uh <laughs> Good question. Like, you could build it. You could build a composite boat in lots of different ways, right? You could do solid bulkheads, do ring frames. You could do it with carbon Kevlar. But wooden boats seems that's the end of like, as I always keep saying, like that's the end of like five thousand years of heritage. Like I'm getting by the idea that by the time they got to the, even nineteen twenty, they had a pretty good idea how to build a wooden boat. Right. So I I, I guess like the 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 basic construction is is probably uh, universally uh, like the same. Like and the way like the stem connects to the, the the you know is 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 the scarf joints are they always the same is it like this no I think that joint? that's that's very have like a little bit the uh, ah. differences of like how certain things tie uh yeah together um yeah um and that's what you need to learn when you go to Iris yeah I mean what they teach you at Iris is basically that you look at the existing boat and uh and understand right. how how things are are put together and yeah. oftentimes it's it's built in a way that you can take it apart and you can replace like pretty much any part on the boat some mm. some of them require a little bit more uh this assembly to get there but but in theory you can you, you get to you can replace any part so I've got a question. I, I found a uh, a dragon, which I was telling you about, which is like a 1937 dragon. Nice, yeah. It had, yeah, I was, I was, I, and I still am very excited about it. I don't think it's gone anywhere because it's got, uh, it's been plagued by something which seems to happen a lot around here, which it was fiberglassed in yeah, the 70s. Yeah, that's uh, bad news. <laughs> <laughs> so is that just a write-off or is it, what, what would you do? Like peel it off or sand it off or cut it off? or? I mean, if you're, if you're, Lucky he did a really poor job, and <laughs> and so you can you can peel it off. Yeah, um, it depends a little bit what's what's underneath. Um, the problem there is like in it's it's a it's a very common thing. Like people think like oh it's leaking, and uh, I just put like glass over it and done. Um, mm. And then they say like oh I I cold molded it or something like. <laughs> <laughs> But then, in the driveway right <laughs> and then uh yeah you end up having uh, moisture between um fiberglass and the wood and so your the whole thing just starts rotting away yeah um yeah. so the key is to try and get one that's it's better to have one that's more rotten and doesn't have the fiberglass than right then you just replace a plank yeah. or whatever it's whatever it's bad um yeah. if you have the whole thing fiberglass i mean Sure, there there might be someone who who really knew what he was doing and and fiberglass in a way that he kept the moisture <laughs> out and maybe maintained it very well. Um, Judging from what I can see, <laughs> <laughs> no. <laughs> but uh, it's got a nice old wooden mast. Maybe that might be the the thing I wanted to do with that one was return it to like the really really original. Uh, it's acre, isn't it? That, that drew the dragon. They uh, the the original had like a pop top. It was a camper. It was a little boat that had like a pop top cabin 
and then you could be inside it and have some room, which is about a million miles from what we think of as a dragon now. But, yeah. <laughs> um, it'd be kind of fun to, 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 do, to do that, just because I don't think there's very many that are like that. But Didn't they, um, they use dragon in, in the Olympics, no? They did. It's it's not used anymore, but right. it's, um, I, I just think it's an achingly beautiful boat. It yeah. just seems to have the most perfect proportions. Um, it's... Uh, I, I, I do own actually a uh, uh, what's it, a blue nose, which is a, a little twenty four foot. Um, it's it's designed by the same guy Rui that designed the the blue nose here in um, Nova Scotia, but it's a uh, it's a fiberglass version of it, and um, it's got very similar kind of dragon lines. It's got like a high spoon bow on it and some kind of counter stern, but it's just not quite a dragon. Yeah. And I, oh, the dragon's just so pretty, but. Um, I'm not sure I'm quite at the point now of uh, of uh, of getting an old dragon that's had um, that's had fiberglass put on it. I, I, <laughs> do you remember Keith that was on the boat? Yeah, he right, always yeah. said you had to be very careful uh, if you were if you were getting a getting into a situation with a, a new woman and she had a lot of rings. You knew she was it was probably going to go badly wrong. <laughs> and uh, that was his theory <laughs> on relationships. So I'm thinking that uh, an old dragon with uh, fiberglass is is yeah. like a, a new girlfriend with a lot of rings. <laughs> like this, <laughs> this might go terribly wrong in the future. <laughs> you can think that next time one comes in the workshop, you're like, this is like a it's like a new girlfriend with lots of rings. <laughs> What's it? What's the the worst you've had so far? Is there ever a point with a wooden boat you're just like, nah, it's dead? Like, does it get to a point where it's like, this is beyond economical repair? Um, yeah, the, I mean, these examples are out there. Um, we we had we had a. I was working on a boat that is the same thing. It was a. Um, it was actually like a a, a big boat. It was like fifty some feet. Uh, uh, schooner and the owner also put uh, s- sort of thought he could get rid of any leaks uh, by just fiberglassing the whole thing over and uh, yeah there was a the whole the whole thing was a like a, a sad story like I mean he was very attached to the boat and uh, we we fixed it up and uh, it had a um What was it? Uh, we first fixed it up, and uh, we were running late in the season, so he he put it on. He left like he just put it on the hard somewhere in a, in the shipyard, and yeah. um, and then a storm hit, and some they had the domino thing where a bunch of boats fell over, and Ooh. and so basically the the whole thing, the whole boat got totaled. Oh no! Yeah, and just squished. Just yeah, flattened. I mean, yeah. Same thing. Like if it's you, you can you could could fix it in theory, but but uh, it was just the insurance money wouldn't wouldn't uh, be enough to, to yeah sure. And so in in the end, boats do have to die. Like we're so connected to them, but right something something like that has just gone too far. Hasn't yeah, it? yeah. <clears throat> There's always somebody that will re- rebuild a VW van from like just basically like a a rust stain in a field but um <laughs> there just has to be a little bit of logic somewhere doesn't it like just go and get a new one right no i mean that that's where that's where these uh, like full restorations come in um yeah like you have, you have like boats they're they're gone 
they're like beyond repair but then someone really like puts in the money and the effort to uh to re- to like fully restore it and there's there's different way like i mean it's gonna cost money no matter what but i mean there's right now there's a, a very interesting project going on in in uh connect not far from here and uh uh, just across the border in Connecticut, the wooden boat builder, um, Synetiker Yachts, or Synetiker, I don't know what the company's called, but uh, they're building an 80-foot wooden boat, um, complete restoration. It's a, it's called Doris. It's a Harrisoft design. Okay. And this is like, it's a mind-blowing project, the whole thing. Just the whole thing is com- like completely new, it, basically? or Basically, yeah. But they yeah. brought they brought the old... They they brought the original boat in, or the original hull at least, and they what they're they're keeping the the lead ballast, so they okay they they, they basically they propped everything up, yeah. But then started started bringing in new molds, um, while the old boat was was still around it. Yeah, yeah. So okay. they they did exactly that thing where they take sort of one part off and put another one on. That kind yeah, of yeah, sure. So but it's was, a whole new boat. In the end, it's going to be a whole new boat. I mean, they they're going to probably put in a few of, um, old parts, like more like for uh, you know, yeah. like romantic reasons. I think there was. I, I drove for a while. Um, Merry Maid, which is a hundred five foot, nineteen oh four, gaff reg sloop, which um, raced in the Lipton Cup in nineteen oh four. She's like the. 35th most important wooden vessel in the world or something because she's right on the transition where you go from wooden frames to um to metal frames so she's got mm-hmm. these iron iron ribs but uh two and a half two and a half inch pitch pine i think she was built out of but she's like 85 percent original because of course we had this very odd situation in the uk in the 19 late 1930s early 40s that they wanted all lead all metal they could possibly have for the war effort so they took the lead keels off these big giant racing boats, the, mm-hmm. the big class yachts as they were called, and the J class yachts. Right. And then I've, because the keel was off, they had to take the mast off. So you suddenly had these just wooden only hulls that then got dragged up these rivers in Essex up the Crouch River and stuff like that, put into mud berths, and then they just sat there for the next 50, 60 years. And they started pulling them out, well, 50 years, certainly. Started pulling them out in the 1990s, but the mud had just caked them and they were in pretty good condition. Right, but, yeah. Things like Valshida and Shamrock, they they came out of there. Uh, Lulworth, um, some huge boats. But I think in the end, there was uh, the, the J-classes particularly because it ended up like an arms race. If you ever had the most money, like was the winner. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think that the, they said the most original part of Valshida was the hull form, which had been gifted to Shamrock, uh, which was made from an original plank of Valshida. That the, the only original part of Alshida was a little piece that had been given off to another boat. I don't remember <laughs> if I'm getting the story right there, but Merry Maid then was like 85% original and was, was you know, was was smiled upon because of that. She's actually the first boat in the world, just a, as an aside, that she was the first boat in the world to have a Marconi rig. Um, she, that, that came in when Marconi invented the telegraph. He needed a way of putting antennas up like right. downtown, basically. So he came up with the Marconi panel rig mm-hmm. and they put it on, on Merry Maid first. And then uh, she broke it, so she went back to gaff rig. But a lot of other people looked at that and went, "Oh, that's a pretty good idea." And then they 
they perfected it thereafter. But um, when you're dealing with boats like that, that are like, and I remember I was involved with another boat, which was called the City of Adelaide. It was the sister ship to the Cutty Sark. The Cutty Sark was, uh, well, is rated, it's one of the only boats that's rated A1 on the historic ships register in the UK, because again, it's at that transition point where you're going from, uh, from wooden ribs to, to, to steel ribs. Mm-hmm. And um, the, the Cutty Sark has received all of the attention that it's had. Uh, and the city of Adelaide was just sitting on a slipway, like rusting away and gone. Like, you know, we saved one. We don't have to save the other one. But uh, the it, it's a it's a very interesting uh, story with the with, with that boat that kind of got forgotten about. Um, I was involved with a little group of people that are trying to get it uh, restored. And indeed, I think it got sent to Adelaide in Australia. Like, oh. you know, you, you go and fix it. So I, I actually, I haven't looked at that for years. I should see. It was called Carrick, I think was his other name. But um it it, uh, it reminded me of a story with the restoration of uh, the Cuddy Sark that um, the the quote for restoring it was just through the roof because it's you know it's a national like monument and um, it but it had been in dry dock for years and years and years mm-hmm. and it was dried out and was a mess um, so they took the deck off they took the spars off they took the sails off they took the interior out which left pretty much the 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 ribs and the backbone of the thing and then and then the planking. And then there was a fire. It was like it was it was awful. There was a fire, and all the all the all the planks got burnt. And no way. But luckily, the ribs were all metal. So, <laughs> so suddenly the restoration cost dropped like by millions because they didn't have to restore each plank. They just had to put new planking on it. It's like wow, wow, that was very lucky fire, wasn't it? So. <laughs> It's funny how these things go, but there's there's always some kind of financial underpinnings under it as making the decisions. But um, yeah, I guess if you can rebuild them like from the from the from the ground up, then they can have an unlimited life a lifespan if oh, you're yeah. if you're careful about it. Yeah. yeah, yeah. What was so? What was the one that uh, you showed me that when I went to Newport, there was a boat there that had a very interesting story where a religious group had had hold of it. Right. Um... So that's a, a a project that was um for a while part of the the school of of the of the program, but then uh got taken over by other people and I think changed hands again. Um yeah. so but there's there's a now like um like a, a, a private group behind it to to sure. push it to get to get it done and uh, get it back on the water. Awesome. Um but yeah, it's a hundred thirty foot, uh, like uh, schooner um, coronet. Is it Co- coronet or Cor- coronet? Coronet. Coronet. Yeah. yeah. Okay. And yeah. it's uh, it, a religious group had bought it, and it was at sea, and like a, a complicated background to it. Exactly. So that was. Yeah. Um, it was. It was built. I think it. It held record for a. The uh, crossing the Atlantic for for several years. Oh um, wow! Yeah, okay. and the emperor of Japan was involved at some point in the life of that wow. boat, and so it's like this. There's a there's a whole bunch of like um, mm. interesting folks that were involved or part owners or, and at some point a um, like a religious group, religious cult. Um, see, I forget the name. Uh, the kingdom or something or i have a computer here i'm, I'm getting better <laughs> with my I, I don't know if you listen to the joe rogan podcast but he has uh, jamie who does all of the uh, um, uh l- l- looking up facts and stuff oh, so right. i'm 
I'm like Jamie. All right. Like much sm- much much slower and much more useless. Coronet schooner. <laughs> we should we should be able to get it from that, shouldn't we? Right. Because I remember you told me there was like people in in uh, in cloaks and and hoods turning up while you were trying to fix the boat up. Yeah. So there are there. Um, the idea was that the boat will bring them to like paradise at some point. Oh, okay. Oh. And and. It's um, awesome. Right. <laughs> and the. Uh, oh, it's yeah. beautiful inside. I'm just looking at some pictures of it. Yeah. The. the Cult leader at some point decided, so now it's time to go. We have to, we have to set sail. We have to go out into the ocean and, and just wait. Then we get, right. we, we're going to get picked up or we're going to fly away or whatever. Oh, this is, it's called The Kingdom, a religious right. organization founded by Frank Sanford. Yeah. Right. And so, uh, but that never happened. And so he insisted that they have to keep waiting and wait it out. And, and uh, I'm not sure if, if there was like, if people died or, but it was the situation. Uh, so was, I can help you. Six people on board died of uh, scurvy. Oh, nice. Yeah. He brought okay. that back. Um, yeah. Yeah. And I think uh, he got, he got then sent to, uh, they got rescued by, uh, by, by probably with the Coast Guard and sure. he, he went to jail and, but the cult is still alive and every once in a while you have a, a, like a group of people to, to um they swing by and and then see how their boat is doing and sure it says <laughs> that they owned it they owned it until 1995 but they obviously still feel that it's uh it's 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 part of their heritage right so while, while he was in, while he's in prison they still like uh tried to keep up that boat for mm. for any future travels and uh so at some point <laughs> must be 95 then when they just ran out of money and and someone yeah Someone took it on, and and now it's uh, it was it was the uh, Iris that uh, that bought it in 1995 right. when they began the restoration. So they it been like that's the thing with boats is that they're they they seem to like have these whole lives that go on over decades or like lifetimes of just like and this one I see what you're saying like it was a Japanese American scientific expeditions and almost so many things that this boat's done in uh, in its lifetime like i'm gonna have yeah. to read this after <laughs> afterwards but yeah i mean that's that's one part that I, I only came to realize when i moved here like i i like i knew like yeah newport is there's a sailing and there's a there's some america's cup history and and uh sailing history in general and but i, I wasn't really aware of it but now that i'm here i realize that um there's so much like yeah history um like starting with starting with the harris off uh manufacturing company in up in bristol um where they they built all these legendary like america's cup winners and yeah um really set set not only like new, new standards for for what sailboats uh, concern, but also what you said before, like Henry Ford. I mean, Henry Ford came to Bristol to see how they. Oh really? Uh, oh yeah, how they as how they assemble boats, huh. and and. So I mean, you're saying sailing, is more important even than we realized. <laughs> but it, that's what I always tell people. Like literally, if you go back a couple of hundred years and you're looking at like what sciences man was involved in 
crossing the oceans and building boats was trigonometry and maths and engineering and meteorology and navigation. Sailing was where there was a lot of development. There was a huge amount of work going on and it was a, a cutting edge science. And it's only now that it's kind of out of sight and big ships do it that we forget that. But um, oh, yeah. for the longest time, it was one of the most complicated things that humans did. Oh yeah, and they like they they really pushed it. They mm. yeah. So there's a good so a good story this um that that fits in here. Um, while I was at Iris, uh, in my second year, um, so the second year students they get assigned to um projects. They're either um donations to the school um who who need to be restored or sometimes there's even like someone showing up who commissions a boat and say like look I have this uh old boat sitting around and like um can you fix it up and in my case we we re like we there wasn't a restoration it was a um like a rebuild um and it was a funny like a uh funny it was an interesting uh boat uh designed by uh Harrishoff um in 1892 okay and so the boat itself was a it's basically a canoe hull sure um uh 16 16 some feet long and attached to it is a fin keel and mm. just cut out of a of a bronze plate with like L brackets fastened to the hull Okay. And then on the bottom, there's it looks like a torpedo. It's like a, a lead bulb. Um, and this is eighteen ninety two. Eighteen ninety two. It blows your mind. Oh wow! And then you have a a fin a fin uh, or like a sorry a, a spade rather det- <laughs> detached from the thing. Oh wow! Like because I know on uh, on my uh, boat when I was talking to the designer Alan Andrews, he talking about the the Whitbread sixty. He refers to it as the canoe body of the boat. He 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 refers to the hull as the canoe body. Oh really? So yeah, so it's uh, obviously within his world that's uh, he he looks at it like that. So yeah. and then the torpedo was it mounted like centrally mounted and and balanced so it was like a T keel or was it like slung aft like the the far designs? Um, so it was a like a, a quarter inch like bronze sheet. Mm. Um, as I said, like on at. To the hull, it was attached with L brackets. They were like bolted through the bronze sheet, and then basically keel boats through the through the sprung keel. <laughs> and then on the bottom, um, we we had to like uh, make patterns and send them to the foundry to cast these two lead. Basically, it's a it looks like a a torpedo cut in half or a, an aubergine. sheen cut in half and then yeah. again like bolted oh on either side on it, either so, side yeah. of the of the, the mm. bronze plate so uh wow and that that's way ahead hey no that's it's like it was it way, was way wild about, it, it goes on so you had this and then the the steering wasn't it it was not a tiller but it, it looked more like a bicycle handlebar okay that goes uh like perpendicular to to the boat yeah and it had this like two um parallel uh like metal strips they were flush on the deck yeah and so you have you had a pivot point over the rudder and a pivot point over the, the handlebar 
Yeah. And so it's like by pulling and pushing this handlebar, you would st- <laughs> you you would move the rudder. This, this reminds me, like uh, I, I've driven Challenger um, about six and a half thousand miles with no autopilot uh, and on my own. Mm-hmm. And uh, pe- people ask me how I do it, and what I do is uh, it's got twin wheels, of course. So if anybody doesn't know, this is my Whitbread sixty, and uh, it's got the two wheels. And what I do is I bring lines up off the side deck and attach them to the wheels. Uh, the port wheel is attached at like ten o'clock, and the starboard wheel is attached at like two o'clock. They go through the deck, they go into the companionway, they go down below, then I attach them to a mop handle. Mm-hmm. And um, I sit at the chart table watching the chart plotter. Now it's the middle of nowhere, right? Where there's, you know, lots of room to maneuver. And I just have this metal bar and I just, if I cross the lines over, then as I push the right-hand side of the bar, the boat turns to port. Right. If I push push the left-hand side of the bar, it goes to starboard. It's like, this is awesome. This, so this <laughs> like invention finally did go somewhere. <laughs> Wow! Yeah, no, it's amazing. It's uh, and so I, I, I always looked at that boat and I was like, they, they had a good but uh, like clearly uh, for that time a good budget and they just went for it and they they tried to like come up with new solutions and and uh, they just went for it. Mm. Obviously, some some things worked out like that fin keel and spade rather that totally that was something that they kept developing and then that steering mechanism for some reason um yeah, didn't, didn't work didn't out work. Uh, i mean Although i thought it would work fine right because it's it worked, uh, i it, mean it worked, it worked like a, it, the, the cool thing is it's um it's it's a little bit rigid and so you basically you can uh set like you yeah you you, you how do you say it? like you you said you you rather to on a certain angle and it would stay there. Oh, interesting. So, so okay. it, yeah, it's not like a tiller that goes all over the place. So yeah. it would it would it would like stay in place. Because like I I came from driving much bigger boats uh, down to like sixty foots and I am used to driving with a wheel, so I'm I'm used to that. But it's two and a half turns from lock to lock, so mm-hmm. you you can't. Even if you put a little bit of a wiggle and a jiggle in in the wheel, you don't get much reaction from the from the tiller. Um, with a tiller, obviously, a small amount of movement and the boat is changing direction by like twenty five degrees. Right. I, I don't I don't particularly like the tiller though because it's hard to brace yourself and get in on a sixty foot boat. It's hard to kind of brace yourself and get in position and like the open sixties. I've driven around the world with Spa and I barely ever helmed that thing. You, it's right. always driving an autopilot. If you actually sit down and put your hand on the tiller. I personally don't find it to be a very nice way to drive a boat. Mm-hmm. Like something else, you'd think there'd be some other option than wheel and tiller. And it sounds like they were already onto that like 125 odd years ago. Right. Yeah. Hmm. I mean, for some for some reason, this, this idea never got taken any further. Um, but yeah, still. It always seems to be like that with boats that they, um, s- some, some bits will carry th- through and some bits won't. Like my... Uh, well, like Challenger, she she has a design which looks pretty contemporary. She happens to be of a design from the late 90s. That design carried through. But other boats from the 90s look very aged and, and, and very old now. It just right. kind of tends to be a bit of fashion. Not always necessarily function, but sometimes sometimes fashion. People like a wheel because they like a wheel or they like a tiller because they like a tiller, even though your invention might be better. But um that's interesting. I've never heard of a fin keel that far back. That's, no, it's, that's pretty it's crazy. Amazing. And I mean, even more uh, 
remarkable is so the uh, boat got purchased by a a, a lady from uh, must be like uh, Cow's Isle of Wight somewhere around there. Sure. Uh, Miss uh, Winifred Sutton. And, okay. And so she she bought that boat, but then with all the social norms at that time, she she couldn't buy a boat. So she she uh, so she yeah. she put up the money, and uh, someone else bought that boat for her. Uh, and so and that manufacturer like Harris off here in Bristol, Rhode Island, built the boat, and again they they went all in. They not only uh, did they experiment with this whole like uh, rather and kill thing, but they like the scantlings, the 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 ribs, the frames, everything is like mini, like it's it's they shaved off every ounce of weight they don't need. Like it's so. So Winifred Sutton wanted a race boat. Oh yeah, oh yeah. yeah that's what it was for. Yeah, it's and interesting so, with the uh, the Royal Yacht Squadron there at um at Cows. The the rule was no women were allowed inside the the building, uh, down to the point that um, Queen Victoria used to go in, want to go in there a lot. So she had, or she commissioned, or she demanded. I'm not sure exactly what it was. The big conservatory built on the side of it, and that was essentially built so that Queen Victoria could be in the clubhouse building, but she wasn't inside the bounds of the building that they had defined as being a. a a woman-free zone, so she just had her own bit built on the side of it <laughs> to get around it. So no wonder Miss Sutton couldn't uh, get a boat built. Yeah, but she she had that boat and she would race it in the Solent. Awesome! And awesome. Uh, she she won twenty one out of her twenty two first races. And then, oh wow! And then she the, sounds cool. No, no, it's amazing. And then the the same is about the same ratio the next year, and. Like if you read journals and stuff from back then, I mean, people they went haywire. They like this is the ugliest boat, like because they all had these like full keel boats. Oh, like, I see it. It's this boat's called Reliance, is it? No, it's called a uh, We Win. We Win. Okay, right. Oh, We Win. Yeah, it's coming along. I see. Yeah, the Reliance project there. It says on the top of their web page for some reason. But yeah, We Win. Okay, got it. Oh, this is cool. Yeah, I see. Uh, I see the boat. I haven't seen any pictures yet of the. It's so light. It's so thin. It's so yeah. And so she, <laughs> she, she and her her partner they would sit there in their Victorian dresses and just like crush it, and <laughs> and and obviously all these these men they didn't like. But if you read journals, uh, they're like, yeah, this is the ugliest boat. And it should be banned, and it should be like, should, this is illegal, and. Yeah, because they were winning. Uh, yeah, it's like it's, it's <laughs> sore losers. <coughs> oh, I see. I think it's Reliance is the is the yard or something. But it's uh, yeah, they and uh, Reliance is is one of their America's Cup contenders. They built. Oh, in, I understand. In, okay, right. But they've got We Win in or something. Yeah, it's right. beautiful. It's it's such a little slipper though. It's it's I can't see the 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 keel here. It's um I'd have to find somewhere else. But I can see the hull and it's uh. It's barely in the water. It, yeah. It's floating on the water. It's called oh. a it's called a half raider. Like I said, that was the class or the. I don't know if it was a box rule or not a box rule, but the, just like a a rating. Yeah. So it's like it was it was sailing in the half half raider class. Oh, I'm gonna have to find out more about this uh, this uh, lady. She yeah. sounds. Awesome. No, she's she's uh, she's really awesome. Very cool. 
Yeah, it's cool. So we built a boat and then uh, like uh, we uh, talked to the school for a little bit and we were uh, then entered the boat in two races. Um, oh, nice. Here in the bay. Um, yeah. How did you do? Uh, I mean, it was a personally it was a victory all all around right no it was it was it was the best like we just getting on the water um all the support we got from from everybody was mm. was, was incredible nice um, that sounds cool first race or first event was the uh it's organized by the harris Huff museum like they have a classic regatta yeah um yeah Day one, we did, we did very good for the first half of the day, and then we had to go upwind and and just took Maybe on. Not so much. <laughs> I mean, we took on water to a degree where like life jackets would go on off under like down below uh, and like yeah yeah sure all of that. But the the support was was a uh, was pretty amazing. And then the next day, that was funny because I was um. It was basically just a feeder race down from from Bristol, Rhode Island, down to Newport, yeah. and it was it was it was blowing pretty good. Um, a lot of people decided to not uh, do the race that day, and we were standing there. So it was only like I was driving the boat, and I had one crew, and we looked at each other. It was like. So the race committee would ask like who is who is going to be at the start line, and they called our names. I look at each other. We're so like, yes, and yeah. and the tent they just erupted. They're like everybody was like yeah, <laughs> and we were like all right. So I guess there's no there's we're doing this. There's no yeah. way back. There's no right. way back now. And so we go out. We had. Um, we had a hard time to like, it was a downwind start because it was the whole thing was just like downwind. Mm. Um, and we had, we struggled to stay above the, uh, the start line. Yeah. Um, yeah. And so they started the race. We start going downwind and it's, it's like one straight shot. It's like put our, put our sail out, sit in the back and just wait like, and we were flying down there. And so you have all these, like the raid was in that competition. And, oh wow! Yeah, and that's so, a super famous boat. Hey? All right, and so with our handicap, we obviously we came in first because, um, right. yeah, it was. It's pretty small, hey. Was it like thirty feet? Our boat. Yeah, sixteen. Sixteen. It's sixteen feet. Overall, oh my yeah. goodness! I'm looking at the, the pictures in the uh, the the loft there. I thought it was uh, a bit bigger than that. No, no. Sixteen feet. Right. Yeah, I gotta look at this picture again. Oh yeah, I suppose so. Yeah, right. Yeah, but <laughs> oh yeah, but now I see the size of like the compressor next to it. Yeah, right. Fair enough. But just so just going the rate the... is like forty foot, right? Yeah. Yeah, but you had like our boats, and you like like there are six meters, and there are all kinds of like boats in that competition, but. With, with our handicap, our uh, our rating was so good, or so much in our favor, yeah. At, and by just going downwind, there was no, there was like, there was no reach, no upwind, there was nothing in it. Like we were just flying down there, 
So it's completely, absolutely what that boat wants to show its best. <laughs> <laughs> As you say, very hard to stay above the, uh, the start line. Right, uh, that was the biggest yeah. struggle. Did it, did it have any kind of downwind sails? What were they doing? What were they rocking? No. This is 1892. What was the sails set up at that point? No, it's just like tiny little, tiny little jib. Um, yeah. ga- gaff rigged uh, mainsail. Mainsail is uh, rather big for like, it's a long boom. Yeah. And uh, yeah. The thing that interests me when I was... Um, uh, I've done a lot of research on like sales and all that kind of stuff, as you can imagine. What always amazes me is that we, we seem to be like kind of going around in a circle or, or certainly that there's some kind of like, there is an optimal. It's not just uh, advancement without end. Obviously we're onto foils and things now, but that's a very particular part of a sailing. But I saw it with, um, if you take like a big gaff mainsail, which is what you're talking about there, um, and then you look at a big flat top main today. We even call that the gaff batten in a square top main. Like uh, a mainsail does need to have a big square top in it. And uh, you're talking about, you know, uh, tor- torpedo, T-keels, whatever you want to call them. Like it's a, it's a thin keel. Uh, that was already 1892. There isn't much. Now we've got the keel hinged if you've got a canting keel, but you know, many boats don't. Like there there is kind of like an optimal and we'd already got to that by by the 1800s, by what you're saying. And if you look at boats like Diarchy, they had some incredible bits of rigging going on and it, they were at the cutting edge then of sailing. And we've done lots and lots of things to change materials and everything else, but we're, sailing is somewhat plateauing in a way. We're down into like adjusting little bits and, and that now. It must I, be awesome to be involved in the history of it and digging around in that. I agree, yeah. No, it's uh, the margins are very slim and the changes you... Yeah. You do a very slim, um, mm. yeah. I mean, it's it's cool to to do projects where um, where you can combine uh, certain things. Like we had, we've like we worked on a six meter, um, like built in in uh, in the thirties, and oh, nice. and and so it's a like a beautiful beautiful boat like the lines yeah. it's it's just an amazing boat um double planked plank on frame uh traditionally built everything and then we built uh, a new mast mm-hmm. and so you obviously you build like a a, a sitka spruce like a, a a wooden mast um but then you start uh implementing um g10 shift boxes yeah or yeah yeah like like hard yeah. like harken uh hardware mm. and stuff like this where you yeah where you can actually like take advantage of newer materials or or uh lighter uh lines and and we, bring that we did in that and... on uh we did that on merrymaid where the uh the lifts come down that hold the boom because the the boom on that boat was 60 feet long and I think weighed like a thousand kilos or something. So there's these lifts that hold it up for those who don't know. And uh, that had always been an issue in the history of the boat because they were wire lifts and the wire lifts would like dig into the boom and kind of carve their way into it. But I was able to take um, Dyneema and then basically plat uh, a line from uh, unplat the, uh, the, the, the 12 strand right. and replat into so it had a more traditional look. But then it had a nice flat, wide, extremely strong right. rope 
thing that could go around there. And then suddenly you had a solution. Yeah. It had taken 110 years to get to the solution. Before that, it was just forever digging its way through the boom. It's like, this, <laughs> this is soft and strong and very long, and this yeah. will be perfect. So, right. Yeah, it, there's that kind of melting pot where, okay, it's a 100-year-old boat, but their ideas are like dead on. And right. I, I was, um, the, I, I guess I, I, I'm a bit obsessed by the Blue Nose because I, uh, I live in a country that has a boat on the money. So, you know, I'm allowed to be obsessed. But uh, we, have a boat, museum, we have a boat on the money too. Do you? What, what boat have you got? The, you uh, the pyramid on the money. No, the 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 tw- the twenty five cent coin of Rhode Island has a, uh, ah. and I, I I probably get beat up for saying this, uh, but but I I believe it's the Reliance, uh, the one that we we're just talking about, right? Yeah. Oh, interesting. I uh, see. I have to do the fact checking now. And so, so it's the <laughs> it's uh, Rhode Island, uh, twenty five uh, cent boats that should find it right right uh it's got a boat on it i see that the ocean state right and uh, so it's the newport bridge and the rumor has it that the boat is technically on the wrong side of the bridge the, the rig is too tall it couldn't be on that side of the bridge technically or something <laughs> it looks like I've, I've sailed in that area pretty close to that bridge although yeah te- uh, yeah okay i'm not sure if that's true it's the but... perspective yeah the only way that the bridge could be at that angle you'd have to be on the other side of it but which which boat is it? Uh, maybe I shouldn't uh, answer this. Then you'll be just forever forever right. I believe it was the Reliance. Hmm. I might have to keep looking. I can't. I can see a picture of it, but I don't know which one it is. <laughs> There's no way of me knowing. Anyway, you know we have a sailboat. I think you're on right. The, <laughs> we have a sailboat on the money. It's um, but it's not quite as good as our sailboat on the money. And I say, <laughs> I say that because. You know the story of the Blue Nose, hey? That it uh, it won the the fishermen's races for like seventeen years yeah. running. Right. It's um the 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 thing that uh, made me laugh. I went down to the museum here in um. Oh yeah, it does say Reliance. Okay, I'm gonna help you. It's uh it's the America's Cup yacht Reliance on Narragansett. Is that how you say that? Yeah. Narragansett Bay. Narragansett. Are, right? yeah, yeah. Narragansett. Sorry, big right. pardon. Yeah. Um. Yeah. Very cool. It does look like it's got a very tall rig on it. But you know what? Um, traditionally, they say when um, sailors build uh, yachts, uh, sorry, build ship models, you can always tell when a sailor from off a sailing ship has made uh, a model because the mastro is way too tall for the size of the boat. And it comes from the fact that they are used to being up the masts and it looks so bloody high when you're up there. Right. That whenever they built those traditional models from onboard ship, they always have ridiculously high rigs. So uh-huh. there's something going on. But yeah, the uh, I went to the museum and had a look at the exhibition about the Blue Nose, and it said um, this uh, this is a hundred and fifty odd foot you know boat that that won over seventeen years, and they said uh, was it the skill of the master? Was it the fact that the, he asked for this change in the design of the bow, or was it that the timbers were laid down in winter? Who knows what the secret of the speed of the Blue Nose was? It's like. Uh, I think it was the captain. <laughs> like, if you could win over seventeen years, that is that's nothing to do with construction or design, because someone would have caught up, right? That's that's somebody somewhere. Well, Angus Walters and his crew that were like unbelievably fast, but um, it's got a wonderful heritage and a, and a history to it. But um, it, yeah, that boat. I don't know if you consider it fast now. We don't really race those kind of size boats, but um, to be able to keep it hot and keep it winning for 17 years these guys knew how to sail there was no what they're doing it 
oh, if you'd have taken them and put them on today's stuff, they'd have taken a couple of months to get used to it, and then they'd have been beating everybody anyway. Right. Sailing is still the same ocean chest that it's ever been. Yeah, I mean that's like same as before. Like if you replace a a three strand with the Dyneema, sure, mm-hmm. you shave off some weight and you make it a little bit like like stiffer or whatever. But but uh, if you have someone on board who knows how to sail, he probably yeah can still go make a boat fast. Absolutely, with, with absolutely. Yeah, and and you see that with uh, you know people can get on an old boat because they can just kind of look down from above and understand what's going on in the race and and be fast whether it's an old wooden dragon or it's a brand new flying fourteen or, or whatever it is flying fifteen sorry it's uh, international I think international fourteens international fifteens the the have you become now an expert on all the the boats and the uh, the the heritage of of that area because obviously you're not originally from that area but it you must be sucking it up like a sponge. Yeah, I mean it's it's like it's just very like very present here. Um, yeah, right. I mean it's obviously <clears throat> with the work I'm doing, but uh, also like yes, just sure. walk walking around in 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 Newport, and that Newport and Newport area is just uh, there's so much going on. Uh, it's it's unbelievable. Like you have mm. you have three yacht clubs that they yeah. they, they put up uh, regardless. Like I mean during the summer there's. It looks like the Bosporus in 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 Istanbul out here is like it's covered in boats. It's like I I so wish that for for where I live because obviously in in terms of heritage, uh, what was going on here a hundred years ago was exactly the same with what was going on there. But right. what 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 do you think was the, the secret of the success of Newport transitioning into the modern age and getting into pleasure craft? Money. Where did, where did it? Money. Yeah. yeah. I mean you. I yeah, yeah I, I'm pretty sure like Newport is sailing is the one one side of Newport, but then you also have like this this uh, this insane wealth with with uh, starting with all the mansions and uh, just like old money that yeah. that always came to to Newport. Then you have yeah. um, uh, institutions like the uh, New York Yacht Club, um, sure. who yeah, bring in uh, various. Uh, specific kind of people um, nicely put well done. <laughs> <laughs> no but i yeah. mean they're it's great they've like being here you see like yeah they they put up so many like world-class events and therefore like you you walk around you have like uh yeah you have 11th hour racing like it's the the local uh, ocean race campaign who is is based in Newport? You have uh, they've done they've done a lot, hey. They they've done a lot before they even were in the in the uh, Volvo race as a named boat. They were already giving loads to all sorts of campaigns and all sorts of places. Right, and that right now, right now they're 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 really ambitious with the uh, for the for that next edition. Newport is a uh, like a stopover on the Volvo or on the ocean race. Then you have mm. last year we had. 12 meter worlds here which was a yeah. huge huge event you had a uh, all the yeah like classic there's a classic yacht regardless you have a uh, um daily like like literally daily uh, weeknight races during the summer then the other day i walked i walked by there were people um uh, we were just hauling out a boat for a client and uh on the dock next as they they were preparing a um, 
uh, Figaro 3, like one of these oh, wow. new yeah. Beneteau foiling things. Yeah. And so I started talking to him, like, what are you guys doing? Figaro 3, pretty cool. And he's like, yeah, uh, they're, so they're putting a campaign together for apparently uh, the Olympic Games, not not Tokyo, but then the ones after. 2024, yeah, absolutely. They have, they have a uh, like an offshore, like shorthanded that's right. Race. Everyone's talking about. It. They're very excited. It's uh, it's something certainly that we've been looking at as well. But it's um, the the problem I find uh, where I live around here, although we have the potential to be awesome in this stuff, is that there's not that momentum that you've got in Newport. If you if you were to float that in Newport, you'd probably have a couple takers by the end of the night in the bar. You know, financially and in terms of doing the sailing. But right. um, further away from that epicenter, sailing just doesn't have that kind of that draw you know there's not yeah. that kind of much excitement about it yeah no that's i mean again that's uh, just a long history here they i mean people people get upset that uh the the local news like providence journal doesn't print the uh locals like results of the local sale races anymore <laughs> why why so huh? yeah they, they probably why? stopped years ago but i think like it used to be that sailing was such a big thing that even like if you if you race your little J twenty two, it would be your result would be published in the newspaper next day. Oh, uh, I guess it. <laughs> I remember I lived in uh, uh, Durban. I was talking to Ryan about that the other week, and um, I remember one of the things there was that they didn't report murder in the newspaper anymore because the newspapers were getting too fat; they couldn't get them through the letter boxes. So I guess it's the same with sailing in Newport. <laughs> they, <couldn't, laughs> they can't fit it in the newspaper. There's too many bloody races. Probably. Yeah. yeah. Okay. And now they're um, they're just uh, they're opening a uh, sailing hall of fame in Newport. Oh wow! It's like a museum type thing. Yeah. Yeah. It's pretty good. So you're saying I should move to Newport? <laughs> it sounds pretty good. Yeah. I mean, it's uh, in, ter- in yeah in terms of sailing, it's uh, I think it's it's uh, there's definitely a lot going on here. Yeah. They've got a boat on the money. Hmm. That's always been my deciding thing. Yeah, yeah, but maybe no, I'm I'm not going anywhere. Um, so uh, Iris, then uh, that that was that was two years. By the time you got to the end of that, you you decided this was it. You wanted to you wanted to stay in this world. There was no going back. So what what happened then? Once you'd left uh, Iris, you out in the wide world. Um, so yeah, like through Iris. Uh, um, so one. One part of the of the program is you 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 do some like uh, what they call externships where you, you go and work in the field um, a few months during the summer, and so that's always a good for everybody a good way to like make connections and get to know people, yeah. like in the industry, um, and then again you realize like how much is still going on here like there's yeah there's a there's on one on one side a lot of people who own wooden boats and 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 really care for them um and therefore you have a you have a very lively industry of of uh shops who are specialized in uh in maintaining and upkeeping and restoring wooden boats yeah and i, and I think that's the in the end that's like the bread and butter for for everybody like you yeah Sure. You you go into this program and you dream of like oh you build boat from scratch and 
but but your daily work is is uh, is upkeep, maintenance, uh, <laughs> restoration, and then every now once you... in a while you have a project where you like start like start building something from scratch. What was the boat that I saw that you had built? I remember the only thing I know about it is that the the nails were sticking out the deck, and you just bent them all down to so no one would notice. Uh, no, no, no. <laughs> so, tell me about that because that had an amazing look to it. Yeah, no, that's that's the that was the um, the deck for We Win. That uh, oh, that Raider. was We Win. Okay, so I right. did see that. So just to describe to people that uh, wouldn't know that that that's that was, a technique. Obviously, that wasn't a, a mistake on your behalf. That was, no, no, it wasn't a mistake. It was um, yeah. actually it was a it, it was a big uh, point of, of uh, discussion. Oh, it looked uh, it looked amazing. But you must have been like <laughs> very carefully knocking nails down to get that effect. Like they yeah. all lined up perfectly. Right, but the 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 story behind it is uh, so it's a, a wooden deck. So the the whole boat obviously is sixteen feet long. Um, uh, it's very narrow. Um, there's no spinnaker or anything, so there's nobody's ever gonna step foot on the foredeck. Mm. Um, everything happens in the cockpit. So you you what they did they put up a um, an all wooden like varnished, super slippery deck. Sure. sure. And and. Um, Back then, they they didn't have the the same glues. Like there was epoxy, wasn't really a thing, and and so in order to make this, uh, it basically um, it's not tongue and groove. It's a it's like there's this. Uh, it looks like a t. It, lo- it looks like a deck with uh, with caulk seams. And yeah. To, sure. In order in order to make those watertight, they they put in like a gazillion of these clinch nails. To mm. hold these deck planks together, mm. and the way they did it, they um, they assembled the whole deck uh, off the boat. They hammered all these nails in and had someone underneath to bend them over on the inside. Right. And uh, and we as the when we were building it, we were always thinking like, yeah, it's, this doesn't really make sense because nowadays we have we have a like a tds or like uh glue material that's actually sure shuts that whole thing watertight we don't need we don't rely on these on these clinch nails but then oh the, i see but then uh, the other the other side Sneaky. was saying like the other side was saying like no but we need those for the looks um so you so we, thought I used to work for an artist and I'm thinking that what we could do is <laughs> <laughs> we could turn this all inside out and show it off uh, no, so we we were basically we were told to that we have to put in all these like this gazillion little bronze clinch nails. Yeah, and uh, the trick was to not split the wood, and so we were always afraid to like you hammer this thing in yes. like right at the edge, and so you split your fin almost finished deck, and oh uh, yeah, so it was there's a almost rebellion against the clinch nails, but uh, yeah, it, I mean, it ended up looking. Like a million bucks, and uh... so so now what I saw though, if I remember correctly, although I I may have had a few at the time, I seem to remember last time I met you. Um, the the nails were bent down on deck. Is that right? No, no, the nails were bent down. 
I thought there was Thundering. like a zillion little streaks on the deck that looked like they'd been kind of set into the deck and bent down. No, they were they were bent down underneath, like from uh, underneath. Maybe but, I've got X-ray vision. Maybe that's what's going on. <laughs> I could well, have sworn they were all. No, the deck. No, the deck was upside down. Oh, it was in still in build when I saw it. Yeah, yeah. Oh, uh, okay. <laughs> yeah. Oh well, that's. Hey, I've got this really great idea for you. Next time you do, it, why don't you just put the nails in and then bend them down on deck and then varnish over the nails? Because what I saw has been in my mind for couple of years now and i was like that was awesome that looks, looks really good <laughs> well, i thought that's wow he's so artistic like what a fantastic way of doing it okay so i was watching it still in a, in a build section where right. it was yeah. Um, yeah yeah i would not have expected to see nails bent over in a way of securing them so okay that's um that's my uh, naivety but um <laughs> <okay>. <laughs> but that's the same boat that's we win there right yeah uh, that was the that, as well. that was the deck for it mm-hmm. right but i can see why you guys are super worried about um split in the deck did you have to take any particular precautions to to stop that happening because every single one is lined up right down the middle it's like tear to perforate exactly uh, uh, yeah um i forget did we re- no we didn't pre-drill no i think we just put it in very carefully wow we well, um, very we're... optimistic people that's yeah, great yeah. i'm pretty sure if i was doing it and i put like 20 nails all down one line on a timber like it's gonna split <laughs> <laughs> Pardon me. So once you'd uh, once you're done with all that lot, though, you you what are you doing now? Then are you, if you've got your your own place, or you're working at a place, or so no, I'm working at the place uh, not far from here in Bristol, mm. um, and it's a small shop. We're like four people, mm-hmm. um, and we take. I mean, we have a we have sort of a steady um, base of clients. They bring in their boats like pretty much every end of the season we uh, repair what needs to be repaired we uh, do basic maintenance work on the boats um, and and then so that's that's one part of the business and then the the rest is uh, like various projects from uh, bigger restorations to um, like spar building uh mm. yeah you name it it's like it's it's all wooden boats um with the spa building that that seems like that's a like a, nowadays obviously building a master building a boat is two completely different things um when you've got your, your 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 skills enough to to build the hull does that translate across and you can just build master or do you have to learn a whole other set of things to do that it's it's a little bit different it's uh it's something that that it's also it gets i mean we were taught how to build masts uh at um at the school um or the, the, at least the, the basics of it and then uh yeah i mean you learn as you go and yeah. um i mean i'm I'm fortunate to to work together with like really really uh skilled people and uh that must be awesome with this i i know that uh, i've met other people in the industry who there's a guy i worked with years ago called doug watson and uh he he was 24 25 at the time and he'd been on tall ships already for like 10 years and he was just so desperate to find someone that was like a, a real mentor that knew more than him but unfortunately at that time he was finding that his knowledge of the rigging was so comprehensive that even though he was much younger he he couldn't really find anybody that knew that much more but for you with wooden boat building there's no doubt at all it's it's there'd be 
a good deal of people in the industry who have been there for for decades oh, and yeah. do kind of know it all. It must be awesome to work with them. Right. No, that's that's awesome. And then in this particular case, the like, um, yeah, the guy running the place is also not shying away from like um, bringing in new technologies, like awesome. like uh, what I say, like for mass building that be like. Uh, sketch up um, masks like on like CAT or like a 3D uh, software and uh, get a better understanding of, of uh, yeah. uh, what to do and so there's a, there's a good overlay of like taking the technology that's that's uh, out there like contemporary but then also applying it to this almost like I mean in the end we are still there with like would like planes, hand planes, and and, sure. and making making a piece of square wood round until it's a mass. So it's there's still a lot. Oh, of like... some. I, I my my woodworking skills are, are pretty basic, but I, uh, I I might not be a carpenter, but I spot a wonky chair. You know, it's a, I I know how much work goes into stuff. I've got a friend who's uh, also in uh, woodworking school, and um, she was telling me that she's just taking a like rough hewn timber and then just making it into the flat boards that she wants for the project that she's doing. It's days and days of work to get this stuff down. Mm. It's uh, the modern world is all about quick, 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 and then throw it away within a, a very short period of time. But with these things, you're, you're in there, as you say, by hand with these tools, tools that have been used in the same way for hundreds of years. And it's just a case of just make it happen. Right. right. But that's a great thing in this area here. Like there's like, there's so many like boat owners who have, like some of these boats have been in 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 families for like generations mm. and and so there's there's yeah. like people really care and they really understand it's not something you you buy now use for a year and and throw it away it's like something that gets passed on um yeah. and so therefore they they feel they also understand if if some job is yeah, needs to be done needs to be done right and uh takes time uh but so, yeah, I think that's that's one of the great things in in this area here, where where you have a sure. where this 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 culture is still very alive. I mean, we have, uh, so one of the boats or type of boats we take care of uh, is is a fleet of about seven in uh, that come regularly back to our shop, but then in the bay. I believe there are about twenty of those around, mm -hmm. and these are uh, they're called S boats. S boats, okay. Yeah, S boats, and they're uh, they celebrated their centennial last last season. <laughs> so they're centennials all round in Newport. Oh yeah, yeah. no, it's uh, and they're amazing. They're like the they're uh, twenty eight foot um, Marconi rigged like. It, an enormous, enormous mainsail, small jib. Uh, I have to keep looking all these things up. Yeah. <laughs> with a little spinnaker. And it's a, a very active like uh, race fleet. So they've, they race every Tuesday night. Um, and pretty, pretty competitive. I see them, yeah. Uh, a fantastic bend in the mast to the one that I'm looking at. Yeah, so that's the one thing that mast is built like this. So we. we oh wow! So the 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 mast is is built with that bend in it. 
so it's like la laminated into shape or how, how are you creating that bend? Right. Yeah. I mean, it, they're hollow. They're, okay. basi cool. they're basically okay. laminated, like they're staves. They're glued together with the, uh, you cut this, uh, it's called birth mouth, like uh, profiles into the, into the side of these staves and they, they just interlock. Yeah. Um, and then you, you, by gluing them up on on a on a jig where you introduce sure. that bend uh while gluing it up yeah and is that bend adjustable is it something that they can adjust adjust the depth of the mainsail or is it just it's it, always in the mast you can adjust it a little bit it has a like uh, runners like running backstays yeah and uh, adjustable head stays oh i see yeah the boom length is so long you'd have to have a running backstay yeah 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 it's so funny how much how much of this is uh, like open sixty territory as well. You realize they they didn't spring like out of the mold these uh, these modern race boats. They they are evolutions of things which are well as we've learned at least a hundred hundred twenty years old. Bending the mast and all that kind of stuff seems very up to date and modern, but it is an old story, right? Right. Mm. Uh, that's I mean, and you look at these boats. They're like most of them are pristine. They're like nice paint jobs like like oh. mir mirror varnish jobs everything like they're like this floating pieces of furniture yeah basically and then you get to the start line and all these or like these people they turn into these competitive maniacs and just <laughs> they, they don't <laughs> They don't, they don't care at twelve hundred thousand or whatever they it is. don't care they're like <laughs> i mean i'm sailing i'm 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 crew on one of them and yeah, you you hit you like you hit that start line, and and uh, someone comes charging in on port, and everybody's yelling, and uh, like you're you thinking go, business. <laughs> you go down the bay, and people start like pushing each other towards the rocks, and like they're it's like oh wow. And yeah, I mean, it all ends up with a beer at the yacht club. It's sure. like it's it's always it's always fun yeah but yeah. but yeah. when it comes to racing they're like taking it pretty seriously <laughs> they're like here we are and so yeah last year was uh was a big year they they have so there's a there's a the biggest fleet is here in newport with about 20 boats that could technically race and then you have a fleet down in uh, larchmont in mm -hmm. uh like long island sound yeah and then there's there's a few boats up in uh, on the Cape. And do they ever get together? Well, I guess they got together so, for the Centennial. So for the Centennial, they yeah they uh, yeah there were uh, races organized uh, throughout like throughout. So we we towed a whole fleet of of these S boats down to to Larchmont. <laughs> it was like one day it was like this big this big tow operation going on where they all hooked up and and uh, brought the boats down to Larchmont to race there for two weekends and and then the people that built these things would never have believed that they would still be i wonder what they were thinking if they were thinking oh yeah this 100 100 years later this one's gonna be out racing competitively like i don't think they probably saw that kind no of... probably not no I, also... I think uh that there are you know there's modern boat builders now who are making very nice like morrison's and 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 yeah. spirit yachts and that kind of stuff right. um 
they're kind of capturing the spirit of it, but uh, there's still something very special, isn't it, about having something that's that old and has got all the history attached to it. Right, but you can also, I mean, you can't plan it. It's like, as yeah. you said, like when they built these things, they never expected it to, to go for no. 100 years. I think you can. No. But I think that that's testament to the fact that they were at kind of like a, a, a bit of a pinnacle there. Otherwise, we'd be cherishing boats from the 40s and cherishing boats from the 60s. And they're not all being cherished. There's some of them are being cherished. And it's the ones which are beautiful designs, aesthetically beautiful, very good sea only boats like it. Right. That the best are being kept. And a lot of them from that yeah. era are very good, aren't they? Yeah. I mean, yeah. it seems that they, at that point, they reached some sort of a point where they what was the other one uh, you were telling me about? Uh, sail cargo. What's uh, what's that all about? Oh, um, right. Uh, so I was just the like everything we were talking about so far, like um, maintaining wooden boats and uh, uh, or building new wooden boats is always has a little bit like this. Uh, almost like a like a rich man's uh, thing to it. Where it's, Unfortunately, it's a bit of a problem in sailing, right? Right, and uh, and so I was always interested in in projects or boats. They're they're actually utilitarian, or like you know, yeah. like up in Maine, you have you have still like people who fish lobster on on wooden boats and yeah, um, stuff like this. And this uh, sail cargo is a project I'm following closely. Um, is a a group of people and i think the uh one of the co-founders is canadian mm-hmm. and they are building a enormous uh 150 feet um cargo vessel uh in costa rica right and so their whole approach and philosophy is like uh um carbon neutral um like carbon neutral uh cargo um and so their whole like their whole sourcing of wood the way they run their shipyard there the um is is uh is totally focused on on like environment and sort of i got a couple of images here now yeah it's keep uh... the balance going but then at the same time they have an actual business model so they they have uh, letters of intent from a whole bunch of mainly uh, coffee producers from Costa Rica yeah. Yeah. who were willing to uh, ship uh, coffee uh, to the west coast of the US and Canada uh, under sail or like with this boat. And uh, Interesting. And so, yeah, I was, I'm just fascinated by it that they, that they found a, a niche or found a way of, of, of actually making it a business or uh, probably nobody's getting really rich of it, but, but they still, they, it, it looks very much like they make it work. There was uh, a ship when I first came to Lunenburg, <laughs> there was one uh, that uh, I think had just been built. It was something connected to the Picton castle. I feel like saying, and they had a uh, um, Ma- Mahayana, I think it was, one foot uh 60 foot one sailing ship is that the right one but there's a few people trying to do this and i think it is the future it's the past so it works it's maybe it's the future but no one seems to have like got it worked out it's interesting to see that uh, sail cargo uh 
thinking about like what's the business proposition here what's the investment opportunities what's the return of inter- of uh, of investment uh, i i think it has got legs it's just never sort of from containerization onwards from the 1960s and the vietnam conflict in the beginning of containerization the only option is to put things in metal boxes and send them across the ocean but there's plenty of cargoes that need to go in other ways right there's plenty of people in the world that need work uh we're all trying to get away from diesel and, and anything else like that and at the moment, I know from living in Hong Kong, most of these big ships come into harbors, which are typically at estuaries, and then they offload into lots of smaller vessels that then go and do coastal trade. You, you, there is still room for boats like Sail Cargo to, to deliver it, to provide employment, to de- provide you know, a, an absolutely worthwhile um, uh, 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 service and, and do it all under sail power. It's... Uh, Right. I, I, I sometimes I, I feel like that is the future. It, it looks like it's part of the past, but it's part of the future. Yeah, absolutely. No, I think uh, there is there's absolutely uh, room for that. Um, and maybe f- like maybe this whole COVID thing even helps a little bit with like yeah, like just taking a little bit like foot off the gas pedal and everybody's slowing down a little bit and and. Uh, rethinking a thing or two and i mean i don't i don't think sail cargo the way they are doing it is the solution for everything but i sure. I, I think it's it's absolutely as uh, it has its place and i'm i'm just yeah, I'm, I'm impressed like how how they're doing this and i mean it's it's one of these projects like in like when you're in your wooden boat building it's it's a it's it's yeah, it's it's in your magazines it's in your social media accounts and so you follow it um and yeah. i remember in the beginning i mean they were often like laughed at um look it looks like a hippie project where they like sit somewhere in the jungle and and uh, have big dreams sure. but but uh they make it happen and uh yeah i'm i'm really impressed what they're doing there and to, i mean the thing that's interesting is that um, the international shipping is at a point where boats are going a lot, or boat ships rather, ships are going a lot slower now. They used to do 22 to 26 knots and overtaking them was the thing that you looked forward to on a, a boat like mine. Now they're doing 12 knots. There's, there's no challenge at all. Mm-hmm. And they're doing that because um, computer systems are able to much better understand like inventory and stores and that kind of things. And they do this last minute um, ordering it's always worked out so there's enough time in the in the in the loop for things to be uh delivered so a sailing vessel if you go back in time you go back to the 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 tea clippers and what have you they could probably match the delivery speed of modern uh cargo ships in the most basic format obviously the wind doesn't blow we've got a bit of a problem but uh, they could (laughs) they could match that right the thing that we say is well we expect everything to all move on the same ship well i understand that but uh there are other options perhaps available where smaller vessels are doing it and there's so many people unemployed in the world it's like well it's that might be another opportunity i i I feel sometimes that there's some elements of human uh advancement where we have we we're pushing the boundary forward and forward and forward and then at some point you go like yeah no i think we've we've got as far as we want we've just we've had that recently in nova scotia where um plastic bags have been banned in the in the supermarkets and I know the last time I was in Newport, which was a couple of years ago, they just banned uh, plastic straws. And mm-hmm. now we're back to like paper straws, which is 
70s tech and we're back to paper bags coming out of the store which is 70 you know you see people like coming out holding wooden boxes and 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 cloth bags and you'd think well jeepers that's going backwards but it's we, we there's a, a natural kind of plateau which is right which you know it's not got loads of plastic in it it's not got loads of carbon in it and something like delivering things via a sailing vessel it seems like a bit of a backward step but it, it's so right in so many other ways surely somebody somewhere is going to find some way of making it work and and these kind of projects highlight that and mm. pilot it and and prove that it's possible yeah absolutely yeah and what uh what about their their woodworking any any good <laughs> do they know what they're doing <laughs> oh yeah no absolutely it's yeah. like uh it's i mean it's they're they're problem solvers you know they've they've like if you look on their website their 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 shipyard is literally in the jungle I saw uh, the picture. Their website is very good, actually. I only had a quick look around, but it's, it's very professional. It's it's uh, and it seems to be beautiful. There, it's right at the ocean. So, um, so you going? <laughs> I was I was thinking. I know how it. your brain works. You're like, oh, I could do that. <laughs> and uh, so no, they make they make things work. You know, they they I think it it gets it gets going better and better. But uh, in the beginning, they they've clearly had to make do with with the stuff they had like low budgets and and so they they take on an old chip saw and yeah there's there's not enough power to run it off uh electricity so they had to like rig up a i think they they used a motor motor like a small combustion engine or something to hook they up. need uh they need a millionaire to be listening to this or a billionaire or somebody somebody that can just make things happen they need someone that like who's like yeah i want to see if this can this can work just and then get them up into newport it sounds like they need to be up there with you lot so that they can <laughs> get this stuff moving faster yeah yeah i mean they're they're making good progress and they they had a uh, the design is uh, is a dutch uh, naval architect right if i remember correct who designed the whole thing how long have they been uh, building it now uh not quite sure. Uh, I would say two years. Sure. Okay. Um, Talking about building things, I understand you've got uh, you've got a boat of your own. What 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 do you build when you've? Oh right, been doing... I have a boat of my own. <laughs> <laughs> Is this one that you you built it yourself or you no, renovated no. it yourself? Or? No, I I I've, like I I just bought it this summer. Um, and ah. I I I only put in like the minimum it's effort. In the honeymoon period. Right. It's a. Uh, the boat's name is Venindi, which is a uh, Danish for girlfriend. <laughs> It'd be more accurate if it was called mistress. But okay, but yeah. <laughs> okay. I mean, or like if you, if you type in Venindi into the translator, I think it comes out as a uh, lady friend or something. That's like uh, the boat. I keep going back to it, but it's the only other wooden boat I know. Uh, Merry Maid. It sounds like, oh, it's such a thing. But back in the day, that basically meant hooker. It was oh, really? a very racy name. So I strongly suspect that yours is <laughs> probably something very similar. We'd need someone Danish to confirm that. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's what the translator says. But uh-huh. the... well, it must be true. <laughs> no, I mean, I was. I spent I don't know how many hours of my life on like sailboat listings and you know oh, oh we all do man oh <laughs> just, just brow- browsing around what if i had a hundred thousand what could i buy what if i wanted just an aluminum boat what could i buy yeah right. we've all been there 
And uh, at some at like one night, my, Stephanie, my wife, said like, "Hey, if you can't, you can't just like look at this stuff online. Like, you call someone up and go and look at one of those." Oh, she sounds cool. <laughs> yeah, and uh, and so yeah, there were a couple like um, not misunderstandings, but uh, I I saw about on a mooring and I mistook it for one that's on that was on one of the listings, and then I met a guy and turned out to be the owner and so there's all this thing yeah. happening at the same time and basically everybody was talking about something else but i ended up looking at this boat and uh we were both like huh this is kind of cool did you, you you were looking at the right boat or you're looking at the wrong boat i mean at that point it didn't matter i looked at <laughs> i looked at the <laughs> boat that was right for that moment so yeah. And uh, so, yeah, uh, literally the first boat I looked at, um, I just bought it. And it's a, it's, it has a, obviously with most boats, it has a pretty good story. And uh, it's a Shaw 24. Mm-hmm. So William Shaw was a... Uh, okay, I got to... Yeah, you got to type that in. And yours is a Shaw 24, is it? A Shaw 24. Um, William Shaw is, uh, was from, from Providence and, uh, he, uh, started working as a naval architect for, uh, Sparkman Stevens. Yeah. And then later became a head designer for, um, uh, Pearson yachts. <clears throat> and the Shaw 24 was one of his very early designs, uh, never really, like he, he, designed it and it ended up in a in a drawer and at some point sparkman stevens and some other people they came up with the idea to build an ocean like a a ocean racing class that's smaller or 24 foot or smaller sort of affordable for for uh the, the 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 common people I and see it also called a dolphin 24 is that right so that that was then the the evolution of it was like they they took ah. they took that hull design yeah. yeah and and that became the dolphin and so they licensed that out there's like an O'Day dolphin there's a Pacific dolphin there is there's I think there's about eight companies who then ended up building dolphins there's a there's a big the, there's about three hundred of them out there right now, in fiberglass. Oh, I see. Yeah, O'Day Dolphin, Yankee Dolphin, Trina. Yeah, okay. Right, and so the yeah, beautiful. But the first eight boats were built in Denmark, um, commissioned by a by by a boat company in in Connecticut. So mm-hmm. they bought the design or the licensed i guess the design from shaw had a shipyard in denmark i don't know i haven't gotten like to the bottom of that story but they hired a shipyard in denmark to build eight of these boats in uh like uh, wood so minus uh oak frames and mahogany planks and what's yours called again it's called vinindy right yeah Oh, I'm I'm learning about it now. I'm uh, hull number three. Right. 
built the, it. The internet is amazing. <laughs> built, <laughs> built 1958. Uh, 58. 58, okay, yeah. And yeah. Then, okay, I got to, yeah, I, I shouldn't, uh, I promise you, I'm actually interested in boats, so I'm like, oh, what's going on here? It's, <laughs> I see them all. It was in uh, Colchester, Vermont. Right, uh, first, and it was there on the lake. Right. And then uh, someone here in Newport bought it, and uh, I bought it then off that person here in Newport. How much work did it need when you got it? Um, not much. I. Uh, oh, awesome. So one thing I did, I took the engine out. It was like this... Uh, yeah, 50s uh, gasoline engine like a sure. Coventry Vic like a British an English engine English something I'm sure it was brilliant oh yeah it's like even the even the oil pan was like cast iron the whole thing it's like <laughs> seven horsepower but it was like a 700 pounds it was <laughs> like unbelievable no but I just didn't want to have a, a gasoline engine on on a wooden boat uh, uh, plus. No, it's like those uh, atomic four engines. Hey, they're very quiet. They're very nice, but gasoline on boats, like yeah, it's yeah. that. And it was. I mean, it was un- also it wasn't running reliably. So, mm. um, so that's I, other other than that, it was all like uh, cosmetics. Like there, there were like a few through holes I had to f- clog up and uh, or bung up and. Um, I didn't, as I said, I like I, I didn't do much. I just wanted to get it, get it in the water and go sailing, uh, get to know the boat, uh, understand like what, what, what we like to change or especially like there's a, what we would like to do is like, uh, like weekend sailing, go like camping, camp sailing somewhere. Um, so yeah. Now, She's beautiful inside. I, I'm, I'm, I'm now looking at the inside of your boat. I mean, for because, for it for because a, the internet <laughs> for a twenty four foot boat, there's, uh, yeah. there's 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 quite some room. It has like enormous like uh, freeboard, so that gives it yeah. that makes it very roomy down below. And uh, funny enough, it's a it's a yawl, so you have a you have a little. How's that? How's that going for you? Yeah, I'm always a bit. Uh, I've done a lot of sailing of, of smaller boats with like yawl rigs and catch rigs. And mm-hmm. I'm always a bit like, meh, this thing at the back, like really apart from your anchor, but, um, you, I mean, there's, yeah, there's certain, there, there's certain angles where you basically, you can, if you, if you trim everything right, you can almost steer the boat with your, yeah. With yeah. your mizzen. There's also a way of uh, trimming it so that you can't steer the boat. <laughs> I remember that much. <laughs> if you've got a lot of wind and you're trying to run in front of it, you're going whichever way that sail's pointing. Hey, I can see a picture of this engine. What did you do with the engine? I still have it. Oh, really? Okay. <laughs> Let's talk about that afterwards. You that want it? That is qu- quite the thing. <laughs> I still have it's it. Got... I tried to get rid of it. Dude, it's, it's a horizontally opposed cylinders. Mm-hmm. Oh, dude, put me down for that. Yeah, let's uh, let's do something with that. That looks awesome. It's got like this weird sprocket and chain and... Yeah, Have it's you like... seen this website that's got all this stuff about your boat on it? Yeah, Dolphin24.org, yeah. Yeah, yeah. No, he's a, he's an enthusiast. I just... Uh, oh, man. He's good. Yeah, he's... Uh, 
This so my awesome. my idea was to for a split second I was thinking about putting in an uh, electric engine or an electric motor. Yeah, I man, right. I did, like do it in a hot second. Um, but so there is on this on this forum where you're on, like there is one guy who's sales rep for um for one of the uh, companies called CE Electric, whatever. I think I I saw that they, further up. Yeah, yeah, they were talking about that. Yeah, they they uh, they build uh, electric motors for 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 boats. Yeah. Um, and it's all cool and great, and yeah. but I like optimistic as I am. I was like, oh yeah, sure. I put a solar panel on, and it's all set. No, <laughs> <laughs> but then, then the cost of the engine is quite reasonable. It's the batteries that's the problem, huh? Right. I mean, the whole set is not is is. Although it, I suppose you only need seven horse. So. Right. You don't need that much, yeah. and yeah. I mean, I was I was sailing all summer with no motor at all, so it's no. not. I have a. I've been driving my Westerly like that for quite a few years now. It's right. like, yeah, it's kind of tricky, sort of sometimes, but the rest of it, like, it's pretty old school to drive a boat around with no engine. Right. I mean, like all like what we, like they these S boats, none of them has a. No. And you sail up to your mooring, and and uh, you get. It gets a little tricky when you want to get into marinas and stuff. I was uh, laughing when I was uh, reading the uh, sailing around around the world, and it's nothing's changed at all. There's a bit in that where he's bringing spray into the dock, and right. it's only by a complete fluke that he doesn't <laughs> smash it all the bits and embarrass himself. It's he writes. <coughs> that's what I've been loving about that. He, he writes in such a way that even 120 years later, you totally know exactly what right. he's uh, talking about and uh, yeah. you, you felt anybody that's ever brought a boat into the dock uh, absolutely knows how that feels without an engine it certainly does um i remember when i worked for sir robin knox johnson uh, he taught me that um as you're approaching the dock you have your emergency cigarette uh which is just this like five minutes of like just thinking about it before you get there you say you can never find your lighter during the emergency there was his logic but there was also the fact that five minutes to plan it is required, which you don't really need in modern boats, but um, with an engine and everything. But uh, your sailing definitely improves if there's no engine. Right. <laughs> very, very quickly. <laughs> or your insurance premiums go up very quickly, one or the other. Yeah, that's the other thing. Uh, like, yeah, Trying to find an insurance that it would insure like a 60-year-old wooden boat is, is rather difficult. Oh, really? Okay. Yeah, yeah. it's... Uh, and that's also also a good reason to not carry any fuel or, or or diesel. Dude, that engine! Like I've got more. I'm you know I'm a I'm a kind of mechanic at the bottom of it all. Like that looks like steampunk tastic. That is uh, quite quite the thing. That's got like an old generator on it as well, hasn't it? It's yeah, even got an and it has it has a it has a cool uh, um, tra- transmission box. It's also. <laughs> <coughs> uh, maybe it should be kept with the boat just for heritage sake or use an anchor or something maybe maybe that's what it's for yeah good lord I mean, so what's if, the plan then what are you going to do with it it's uh you're, are you going to go off to a particular place or is it just for out on the bay or um yeah for right now it's uh it's on a trailer um mm. getting uh like yeah uh we want to do a few things on the inside then there's a lot of uh like the the varnish is all gone and so i, I didn't sure. we didn't touch that so far so 
that's uh, stuff I wanted to do. I was uh, yeah, still trying to figure out the uh, the engine situation. The other thing I was thinking, maybe just get a little outboard and start. <laughs> yeah, I've been down that road as well. You're like, hey, I just um, I just put an outboard on the back of this. Like, it totally works. Of course it does. It's so easy to get one of those big long drop. Uh, I had a, and... in the in the beginning of the season. I was uh, uh, borrowing a torpedo. Oh yeah, torpedo. Yeah, they're so good. Right, and that yeah. that worked. Like you can push the boat. It works totally fine. What else do you need then? That sounds great. Right. Yeah. So, and they and they're doing bigger and bigger ones now, of course. Right. So you've got an option to uh, stab up. That is the kind of thing that you can then have a solar cell and a couple of batteries, and, and that's pretty much all you need. Um, right. When you get into those built-in ones, you need a bit more than just you need like um, voltage controllers and and throttles, and it's like running at some right. of them run like four hundred volts, and you know it's it's I, I'm up for it. I'm excited. I want to do it. I think it's great, but it's obviously a much bigger deal to put it into the boat than just get an outboard. Right. Um, maybe that's the way of doing it. Just stick an outboard on the back. Like, do we do we get loose points for <laughs> heritage? If we no, no, I could, like I, I was more thinking having it like uh, stow it away, mm, make yeah. some room, stow it away, and like in case you need it, you just take it out. And isn't there a there's a oh look there's a big locker uh, on the that's under the aft deck. Can you stuff it in there? <laughs> um, yeah, that locker that lazarite is a little small, but uh, oh, I was okay. thinking so the boat is comes basically with. There's four uh, four berths in there. There's a V berth and two oh, sure. quarter berths, and you're never gonna sleep four people in that thing. So, yeah, um, maybe give up one of the quarter berths and and create some sort sure. of a. And then lock. the torpedo doesn't have any oil or fuel dripping out of it, so it's just a nice clean unit. Just right. put it in its bag and stick it on the bunk. Right. Yeah. yeah. Something like, like this. Seems like a pretty good option. I right. wonder if that engine is uh, actually uh, original to the to the boat. That maybe it should be kept as a uh, yeah as a as a heritage piece. Maybe the most caring uh, change here is just to take that out and then put the batteries in there that run the uh, run the torpedo, and then have a little connection point at the back that where the it plugs in, and then if someone wants to change it back in the future, they can change it back, right? <laughs> Yeah, uh, you know, sure. If you yeah. want to do it, yeah, sure. But yeah. I'm going to use an outboard because that's what I want, and it's nice and quiet. And does... how? Well, actually, I say quiet. The, the torpedoes do make a bit of noise, eh? Because no, <laughs> no, no, no. Oh, no. I thought they was. I thought they were noisy. I someone had one and was telling me it was pretty noisy. No, no, no. They're oh, like right. Oh, that's the answer for my boat then. Oh no, they're super can, quiet. Can it? Can it push a seven thousand pound westerly? Yeah, seven thousand pound. <laughs> Uh, yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, Torquedo makes uh, like uh, I don't know if they make outboards that strong. But I don't yeah. need it for when there's no wind. When there's wind, I can put the boat anywhere I want. <laughs> that's the easy bit. It's when there's no wind that's my issue. <laughs> right. Yeah. But the thing is, like with batteries, you don't travel far. It's like you get back into a marina or something, but you're yeah. not you're not covering miles. No, but you could put quite a lot of batteries into a space that you've just taken a uh, 30, 40 horsepower engine out of. Right, but then what's the point of having like spending like four times the amount you paid for the boat on batteries and then you use mm. it 
that one time there is no wind. Yeah. <laughs> it's like <laughs> you've you've slightly undone my plan there, but yeah. <laughs> it's I did say that on one of my videos, like, hey, yeah, we'll uh, we'll uh, put electric motor in the westerly, and I've been watching Sailing Uma. They've got electric motor in there, and uh, there's loads of benefits. There's loads of benefits, but you have to kind of like take on the whole thing. If we're going to do this, we can do it properly. Proper batteries, uh, the yeah. big deep deep cycle batteries, and, and go for it. Mm. I want like a drop in option. I, the torpedo sounds like it's as close as you can get to that. Right. Yeah. But you have to stick it on the back, unfortunately. Yeah, build a little bracket or something. They'll but be, yeah, yeah they'll, be, they'll be writing about you on that website, mate. Yeah. Oh, yeah, no, they, whatever I sent them, if you scroll down on that feed, there's someone who built a big welcome to the to the club. Oh, for, nice, okay. Yeah. It's because you haven't told them about sticking an outboard bracket on the back. No, I told them that I bought the boat, <laughs> and I was like, all right, here we go. Here we but, go, here's another one. Yeah, but so in terms of what to do... Um, that's the thing. It's like I like I would like to ex- first of all I would like to explore the the area here, which mm. is it's just absolutely fantastic for sailing. Like uh, yeah, Narragansett Bay. Like there's there's so many little islands, coves uh, where you can like anchor, and get around. Uh, yeah. You could go out, uh, get up towards uh, Buzzards Bay, Nantucket, um, Martha's Vineyard. All of that. So you have Block Island. Well, you go through that uh, Cape Cod Canal that I went through as well. That was awesome. Right. Yeah. As right. soon as you threw that, Boston's like a couple of hours on the other side, right? Right. You could it could go up to Boston. Yeah. Um, but then, so that's that's the. I mean, I would also like to maybe even go further up north, um, uh, like Camden, uh, like Maine. Yeah, because once you get to uh, all this... once you're at Gloucester, it's only like two hundred miles to um, Yarmouth in Nova Scotia. You know, just saying. Right, and in and like in Maine, you have like the like Egamogan Reach and like all these like cool, all uh, mm. like classic yacht regardless and yeah, events yeah. in the summer. So that's that's the fantasy, and then. Sounds like a reality if you've already got the boat and you live in the area. It's just I know uh, it's it gets very close. But the on your last podcast, uh, when, when you were reading out questions from various uh, listeners, yeah. there was this one one guy from Spain. Yeah, uh, uh, was he Barrow? Yeah, who yeah, said like, yeah, I bought a boat, but then every time I, I go out, I, I'm terrified. <laughs> oh, <right. laughs> well, you can't be. You're a good sailor. You know what's going on. Yeah, but but still, then you go out there and uh, like it's it's a twenty four foot boat, you know. It's not. But <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> just go on a nice day. <laughs> yeah. I just remember, like I like I bought like I bought the boat, fixed everything up until I thought, like, okay, this is this is gonna hold up. Yeah. Uh, they put her in the water, went out sailing first time. Uh, so it's a it's a shoal keel. Yeah, and then there's a centerboard, but so the boat was on a trailer. I could never really test that centerboard, and then she went into the water, and the centerboard just like wouldn't come. Wouldn't go down. Very common with centerboards. Yeah, wouldn't wouldn't go down. Like the breeze was was okay. Uh, I thought like yeah, we're not gonna use like it's fine. We're gonna be fine without centerboard. Mm. And uh, clearly, we go out there. The breeze picks up. And before you know it, we're in this boat who hasn't been in the water for five years. Um, a week, 
like it was leak like the moment you put it in the water it was fine but before when it was swelling her up it was still leaking sure um and it was like healing to a degree where you have your your shear underwater yeah. and you just sit there and like oops here go like white knuckles <laughs> like <laughs> yeah <laughs> i remember having a wooden boat called sarabanda in uh, in hong kong and uh if the, everything above the waterline, all of the um, all of the oakum, all of the corking was out of it. So when you're lying in your bunk, you could see outside. So you had to <laughs> had to sail it very <laughs> had to sail it very flat, yeah. <laughs> or accept the fact that water was going to come in, and you'd have to sail for ten minutes and jump down and like bail out a bit and then keep going. So yeah, yeah it's um, have have you got the centerboard working now though? Right, yeah, no, then, like, I, yeah. I I dove down and, like, rattled it, and uh, oh, I, sure. got, I got it out, and, yeah. and, um, and, yeah, I mean, I, when I bought it, it was, it was sitting on the hard for four years, so it was, was completely dried out, yeah, um, and so when I got it, I basically f- filled her up with water from the inside, sure, and it was just, like, like a sieve, just, like, gushing yeah. out, <laughs> I was like, oh, my God. Um, uh, but that's always the way, right? They had a boat uh, at East River Marine here. Uh, sorry, I beg your pardon. East River Shipyard is now called where uh, where the boat is. And um, it went into the water and uh, it hadn't been in the water for 30 years, I think. And it took her three days to seal up. And uh, it just is one of those petrifying aspects of wooden boats. Oh, I guess yeah. we've all learned to accept. But um, if it's yours and then you're thinking of going out sailing in the next couple of days, it's a little hard to... Uh, <laughs> Hard to accept the fact no, that I mean, it's water in that easily. I understood. It's like it's, yeah. it's she's, it's she's going to s- your... swell up and it's, it's yeah. going to be fine. Um, but it's still nerve wracking <laughs> when it's all it, coming through. <laughs> yeah, I mean, again with the with these wooden boats, you like they they look nice and you you polish them and you varnish them and everything, and it's like it's this 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 piece of furniture, and <laughs> but then in the end, you you're still dealing with the same forces and like if oh if, yeah if you, yeah if, if if you end up uh in in in, good, in bad weather then yeah it's all of a sudden you have all this pressure on your wooden mast and you're like you're changing i guess part. that's where the the, the mix is we we're talking about techniques and things and the fact that the boats are um we're able to use modern materials to solve old problems we we, we have modern solutions for like is the weather going to come up and that kind of thing right and it's it's we, we have predict wind and we have uh, boy weather and we have whatever's your local one. And uh, you can kind of like fi- find the light bits and know what's going to happen next and get the hook down and be very, very aware of that. That's got to be, as I said to that guy Barrow, like as long as you cover like the falling off the boat with a, a life jacket and you, you're tethered on and all that kind of stuff. And like there's only, it only leaves it open to a, a set number of things that can, that can go wrong. If you're in sight of land and people know that you've set off on your voyage or you're sailing in company or, in in the end it's uh therein lies the adventure right we was it uh, machiavelli said the more you try and secure yourself the less or was it voltaire no machiavelli the less less secure the more you try and secure yourself the less secure you realize you are and sailing is just like you just throw all of those <laughs> things to the wind it's like okay i think i've got everything kind of covered yeah. and then whatever happens afterwards is the adventure isn't it but uh you certainly seem to be in the best part of the world when that little trip i took up through buzzards bay that that seemed awesome it wasn't too far from side to side and good voyage and um uh and and cities towns just 
close by and like you oh, can no, ask for better sailing conditions no absolutely like yeah. for for something like this and uh yeah sort of taking baby steps like going further yeah. and further i think this i see is... i don't think of you doing that i think of you with me on the deck like crossing oceans in the in the 60 footer it's uh it's just a different skill set isn't it when you're it's 24 foot and you're on your own it it's very different yeah, yeah. sure it's like I'm, uh, I'm very aware of that like i'm petrified of anything smaller than 60 foot as i've said before if i step on it and it moves like i'm i'm getting very nervous everything's really thin and very small and and i can't use any of my instincts i might look at a school and go yeah that'd be fine but i'm thinking it's fine in a volvo 60 it's not fine in like a 40 foot or a 24 foot or whatever so i i tend to accidentally drive into like things that are way too serious for the boat that i'm in so i guess you've got to you've got to just as you say take take baby steps and work out what she can do yeah no that D- and that i mean what what i'm realizing <laughs> also is so yeah, i have we have friends over and uh so we go out sailing but then so people rely on on me in this case that i'm going to be judging the situation right mm, mm, um mm. they're probably not like some of them are no not sailors at all or not experienced or but so you're the you're the skipper and it's it's your call, yeah. Whether you put yeah. a you put a reef in or not, and yeah. uh, and so it's not it's not only being me by myself out there, but you have all of a sudden you have like three people with you. Sure. And oh, that's a responsibility. Hey, you can't dodge that. That's uh, that's and, where it's at. I mean, yeah. I just uh, I, I was I was thinking about these moments quite a bit. Like I remember. I mean, getting on your boat, uh, same thing. Like I've basically stepped on board, and sure, I own my own actions and my like I act responsible. But but overall, like it's like I do what you say. Like you're the captain, yeah, or you're the skipper, and and uh, yeah, like if you say like if you if you say we we get through the storm, I'm I'm sure we get through this. If yeah, you say, I, I did. As I keep saying to people, I only learned that by messing it up loads of times, right? right. So it's, uh, I guess, there's an element. But obviously, you don't want to be the boats that I'm often on are ones that can take a lot more. So you can go, ooh, this is a little bit too strong. I shouldn't have done this. When you're in something that's 24 foot, you gotta you gotta take it really really seriously. I think there's more likelihood of having a problem in a 24 footer than in a in a in a Volvo 60 um, because it can take so much more. There's, uh, I should hook you up with uh, AJ, the guy that. Um, uh, I drove that uh, Formula 40 trimaran. I think mm-hmm. he can make you feel much better about this because uh, firstly, he did a lot of sailing around in his own 24-foot boat in around Boston and down that way. So he knows roughly the area. But then uh, then he stepped up from a basically your boat to a 40-foot trimaran. <laughs> <laughs> baby, and, uh, baby steps. is learning the same thing like very quickly like right. jeepers. I got a... Judgment is the thing. Judgment is such a difficult thing to teach. It's such a difficult thing to um to, to to develop without making mistakes and and trying to trying to do that um and not get into a dangerous situation is 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 super difficult and you know i i learned my sailing on like a 27 foot folk boat in hong kong um which is i say leak, leak like a sieve and uh just just very very small steps That's, what else can you say it's like just very but looking also at the the, the safety the safety thing is something that you can do 
um the the awareness of the weather around you is something you can do the navigation some people are making mistakes on boat we get very nervous about what might go wrong but remember some of these people are going out they have no clue and they take no safety steps right. whatsoever and they have no I, that guy i was talking about who um he was rescued 27 times by the lifeboat in the uk until they said we're not we're not going to save you anymore he was going to do a circumnavigation of the uk i think it was him and uh, his tactic was he was going to keep the, the land on his right hand side and then just drive around the uk using a road atlas as a as a chart well luckily on that occasion he just went aground because as he set off he didn't realize that he would picked up a little island and he, he's just circled around the island and went aground <laughs> so that we must never if you've got great judgment i know that from being on on board the boat with you you're probably gonna make the right decisions the, that kind of analysis paralysis can end up stopping you leaving the bay you've probably got enough awareness of what's going on to go let's put all the sails down let's mm. put the anchor down let's let's go in a harbor right now those who make mistakes oftentimes it's they really haven't done anything to protect themselves at right all. but um i mean I i'm not the major the major issue with your boat is people going over the side or water getting into it right so if you've got those covered right what else, what else can go wrong no i mean th- like i'm i i Especially now that over the summer, I f- I feel pretty confident on the boat. Yeah. It's a, uh, I- I'm just realizing like how my, f- like, my position has changed, like Absolutely. my my or my, <laughs> my yeah. Now you're the captain. <laughs> it's like all of a sudden it's like people like look up to you and say like what what do I have to do? And I think it's something that gets forgotten about is that you know for certainly the stuff I do that's commercial. I always think with everything I'm doing if it's somebody going up the mast or, 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 or docking the boat. I'm always thinking, how is this going to be explained and how am I going to be judged if I have to do this in a, in a court of law? And I know that the person who would cross-examine me would not be like some yachty guy with sunglasses and a, and a leatherman. It's going to be some master mariner who's got decades at sea and right. doesn't really understand why yachts are any different. And it's always that thing of, if you can prove that you planned it, if you can prove that you've thought it through, that you, you're aware of the environment and what's going on around you and you've, you've looked after the safety of the people, that's all they look for, obviously in a much more professional capacity on a, on a big ship. But, but we just have to remember, some people don't even do that. They don't even take like the most basic of precautions. So if you're taking basic right, but precautions... Not the, I mean, it's not the people you want to compare yourself to. No, but unfortunately, we can we can we hear so many uh, disaster stories and forget that ten percent of the people that apply for the U.S. Army are turned away because their their IQ is below eighty points, which is which is what the U.S. Navy requires to be able to sorry the U.S. Army requires to be able to take somebody on. So then, when we hear about those people having disasters, we forget that there's a reason why they're having a disaster. Like looking at the construction of that little boat she's not gonna like pop a seam or fall apart or do whatever and certainly with your skill set she's not with your basic common sense and judgment and you know and after that it's a case of going and doing uh uh some some navigation training and and right but like rope work and stuff i've seen you doing all that stuff you know what's going on and you know in a reef and it's yeah no i think you might be better than you think i feel very comfortable in the boat like i yeah but you just you're now realizing that they're all looking at you and <laughs> no, it's, I I like I got reminded like we had this one one thing uh, when we came into Cherbourg, yeah, on Spartan. Oh yeah, okay. Oh yeah, yeah, right. It, and it was really windy, and we were trying it, to dock. Right. So it yeah. was on, it was only Mike, and uh, 
Yeah, uh, you, me, and um, and uh, John Healy, and Mike. No, and then there was a uh, the older fella who who was on uh, Clipper with his oh, son, uh, Rick. Rick and his yeah, son. Yeah, 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 right. yeah. Oh, that's the... right. That was early on. Yeah, right. But I remember. Um, so we got into the heart into the marina, and there was this like this uh, floating dock. Uh, but not attached to to any other docks. It's like this loose floating dock there. That's right. We were trying to dock, and the boat was get, getting blown around left and right, and and I just I saw you at the helm, like like putting in reverse, like back for like, and you were struggling to sort of keep the boat there, not getting blown into into this. Uh, uh, oh yeah into anything like all these all these other boats that were around there yeah and uh while some of us are trying to like throw ropes over a over a cleat or something yeah and i i've like back then i was totally calm i was like oh yeah this is it's just what we do and, and chris he, he he's got it here he's like he's putting it in reverse when he has to and he's like it's fine um but so now here, so we we come sail back to the mooring, and you have maybe someone on foredeck who who has never been there before, and it's like yeah, you just take the hook and you you pick up the pickup stick, and 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 then something goes not quite as planned, mm. and then trying to yell something that makes sense or oh yeah, it's like. Well, do you remember in that situation in Sherbrooke, there was actually a, a was it a lady or a couple that came down from yeah, another boat? We yelled, they, we yelled at the other boat to for them to come out and grab the line. Yeah, yeah, and it was, uh, but they were also they weren't securing because they were used to small boats and they weren't used to the wind speed. Um, they were they were like trying to hold Challenger, which weighs like thirteen tons, uh, in a big breeze with a hundred foot high mast. They were trying to like hold it with their hands. Right, and I was telling them to put it put it on the cleats. And you can't like yell at people, but it's like your voice is getting sharper and sharper. Like, put it on the cleat, put it on the cleat, put it on the cleat. It's like you just you just got to put it on the cleat. There's no other there's no other way of putting this. You just got to put it on the cleat right now. But it's um, I think more and more of those situations uh, come and go, and you you break the boat or don't break the boat, and you piss somebody off or don't piss somebody off, and you start to find this way through. That's your method of being right. a captain. I remember a friend of mine teaching me how to. Well, he didn't teach me how to roll a kayak. He he gave me the right philosophy to learn for myself how to roll a kayak. He said you got to find your role. He said you just got to like visualize it and you got to find your way. And there's there's loads of different ways of 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 being the captain of the boat. Some people are shouters. Some people are very calm. Some people can really communicate well. Some people have got skill sets, and you you find a way that 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 works for you mm. as you go along. But unfortunately, you have to cut your teeth uh, by doing it. There's there's oh, yeah. no other way of doing it, isn't it? That's but but you're out there you're, you're making it happen it's uh it's the right boat to, to do it on but um yeah sometimes you're sitting at the back like s- soaring away at the uh at the stick trying to keep it in position while people amble off down the foredeck <laughs> to throw a line you're like <laughs> so i know now you'd be a lot quicker <laughs> like, i know daniel who uh who's been on the boat many times right, and ended up being the skipper of the boat he um He's he's now skippered uh, Challenger a number of times. He's now working on the Volvo 65, and I saw that evolution in him. He was very good at being a deckhand, and right. then he drove the drove the boat, and then he came back and was a superlative deckhand because then he's giving me 
the distance to everything. He's given me the, the range. He's given me how fast we're traveling because suddenly he realizes what it's like to be at the back of the boat. So it's, um, yeah, it's, uh, it's enjoyable. I think some people like that. I think they like to be in that situation and be challenged in that way. But it's, uh, is it, there is a wake up moment. And of course, if you're ever in a situation where someone does get hurt, then it, it comes home even more oh, yeah. solidly. Yeah. I think a hundred years ago, the guys that we're talking about, these, these older boats, they, they understood this stuff more kind of implicitly. The, the sea was really a couple of people went out and kind of did things recreationally on boats, but everything else was this like quasi-military professionalism. And it was, you know, you're on a fishing boat, you do what the skipper says. If you're on a merchant ship, you do what the skipper says. And the skipper's only in that position because they've had probably decades on, on the boat um, learning what they're doing. So they're eminently qualified to do what they're asked to do. And that's how the role of skipper was defined hundreds of years ago, someone who knows what they're doing. These days, you can be thrown into being the skipper and really not have uh, any experience the, the, at all. The yeah. Full, yeah, the full, the full, uh, full score. And I think that's yeah. very stressing, very stressing. And um, the thing to do is to, yeah, get out as much as you can. But then when you have people on board say, hey, you know, this is this is where I'm at. Like uh, when we do this, we may have to like come together and work out how to solve this problem because I don't have all the answers. I'm happy for you to be on my boat but we have to have a slightly different structure than the original one. Maybe this time it has to be a bit <laughs> flatter structure. <laughs> like, let's problem solve together, but right. don't all look at me because I don't know the yeah. answers. I really like that uh, there's an opening scene in, uh, what's it called? Uh, um, Hard at Sea. Oh, I haven't seen that. What's that? No, like the, uh, it's, a, uh, it's a book. It's basically the predecessor of Moby Dick. Okay, is it, right. is, is it isn't it called Hard at Sea? Could be. Oh, yeah. the the one that created the, the the from what Moby Dick comes from. Right. Yeah. The heart of the sea. Heart of the sea. Yeah, yeah. That's the story of the uh, sailing ship Essex, right? Exactly. Yeah. That was sunk by a whale. Yeah. 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 They made it back. No. Some of them did. Yeah. <laughs> a bit of bit of cannibalism. Uh, some of that made made it back more or less traumatized. But anyway, in the opening scene or like in the beginning of the book, there is a scene where they leave uh Nantucket. Uh-huh. And so the only people who know how to deal with that boat are basically the captain and his mm. and his like first mate. Yes. And yeah. uh, and everybody else is like they're basically just these day laborers who has never have never been on a boat before. Yeah, that's actually the first voyage for Spartan Ocean Racing. It's a very similar situation. <laughs> and <laughs> but it it used to be like a a common thing. And so it was more like this spectacle that when a whaling ship leaves, pretty much everybody is looking and laughing laughing their butts off how they mm-hmm. how this unexperienced crew Try yeah. to get to get out and get get yeah. going without without wrecking the boat on the first hundred yards. Well, I guess for those they were going on like five year trips, yeah, right? By so the time like they, people... but by the time they're back, they knew they knew how they to know sail they the boat. It. Yeah, yeah. I mean, when they were going on those trips, they were setting off for many many years. So I don't think there were that many people were going back for. If they'd done one or two of those, they didn't want to do they're it. Like, <laughs> had it. Yeah, like, no, I don't want a job where I go away for work for five years, but. Come, uh, covered in whale fat for five years straight yeah it's 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 a pretty wild so i remember reading that book and being like really seriously like moved by what i was reading that there was uh, 
they're cutting a hole in the top of a sperm whale and then like they are inside it uh emptying out the spermaceti to uh put onto the ship and like all black from the oil that they're burning or the blubber rather they're burning down and like jesus christ this is like it's a disturbing story the the hist- the past was the worst it's like, <laughs> like i do not want to be and then when it does go wrong of course they it yeah they do end up um one boat goes to a coral at i haven't seen the film i, I do i'm aware there's a film of it isn't there but one one ends up at a coral atoll and was never heard of again one of them was fine and got back that was the the mate's boat and then right. the one with the captain on he ended up um they drew lots for who they were going to eat first right. and it ended up being his nephew and then they 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 killed the nephew and ate him and there was a big inquisition afterwards because um the 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 way they went through the crew like none of the afro-caribbean crew like made it back and they said oh well you know they were ill and it's like it was very much a kind of tipping point at the time of um how exactly we're all dealing with each other there was inequality and it, it didn't it didn't fare very well they ended up finding the last two of them like uh in a boat um staving off each of them staving off the other with a, a broken thigh bone from those they'd eaten it was uh, it was it's it was dis- not good man it's a disturbing story yeah it was like a hollywood uh party it was it, everyone trying to eat everybody else so um yeah i I've tried to I've tried to keep that out of my say. <laughs> That's like the hard stop. Don't get to that point. Anything other than that, you're doing fine. Right. right. If it's not Titanic or Heart of the Ocean, you're doing fine. Okay. Good. Yeah, that's it. That's keep, my keep, advice. Keep that I in told, mind. I've told you before. Everything I know about sailing, I learned from Master and Commander and Captain Ron. So oh, yeah, right. between yeah, right. you get if you learn how to park a boat from Captain Ron. Do you remember that bit where he like parks it and like maxi chat? Just steps aboard and the, sorry, steps ashore and like walks up to the bar and gets a drink and starts dancing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, if you haven't seen Captain Ron in a while, it's well worth it. <laughs> hey man, we've been talking for. You said to me before we started this, you said, "Well, two hours is ambitious," but uh, I think we're we're well into. We are at two three hours. hours yeah, three hours. There you go. Yeah. See, you didn't know you were so interesting. Wow, uh, and uh, <laughs> my yeah, uh, recorder is still going. Hey, there we go. Well, it's uh, uh, is there anything else? Sail cargo and collections at the MIT Museum. Oh, yeah, I put that in because uh, I thought about that when um, when we were uh, rebuilding the boat that the MIT that's uh, MIT in Boston they have like this amazing um, collection of uh, nautical uh, drawings. Yeah. Uh, blueprints um and so for anyone for for anyone who is who is doing research on like restoring a certain boat and want to go get information that's that's just an incredible resource so that's uh, collections.mitmuseum.org yeah that's uh that's, that's a free resource is it it is so they they're just done so there's the hard collection yeah they're they're uh they they keep updating it, but they're they're just done. Uh, um, what's it called? Digitizing uh, most most of it, mm-hmm. and so it's just like this. This this a uh, very extensive uh, collection of uh, uh, drawings and plans, and you you just browse through. You you have cross uh, cross references and 
uh, if you're it really like if you need like printouts, you you can order them. The uh, after that they go they 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 cost sure. something, but but uh until then it's like it's all free. It's like an open source. Um, cool. And right. it's yeah, it's a it's just an incredible resource of for people who want to research and uh, find out more about boats. I mean this. Sure. We used it. Or I got to know about it uh, researching on V Wind, and yeah. so so you can, uh, like if you if you type in uh, in your uh, search field like hairs off uh, fin keel, you you basically find out how many of uh, these fin keels to what what time of year he already built in different sizes and right. So there's there's a lot of it's it's kind of. It's interesting how many parts and uh, parts and pieces uh, ha- ha- have been taken over to other projects. Mm, um, okay, and uh, what uh, what uh, range? How far in the past does it go? How how modern does it go? Um, I mean, it goes. I would. That's a question I can't answer. I mean, I I know it's <laughs> a long way back. It, it goes a long way back. I would say like eighteen fifty yeah. or something. Oh right, okay. Or yeah, somewhere around there. And then I don't know how how much into the present. I should go and have a look. I didn't know that yeah. existed. Yeah, I know that Mystic Seaport holds a lot as well, don't they? Right. Yeah. Yeah. But but the yeah but the I mean the one in Mystic is like it's analog you can go there and you can you can oh. you can scroll through their 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 plans right where this is uh, all digitized and it's I mean especially with everything that came out of Harrisoff uh, manufacturing company because mm-hmm. they I mean he was like this uh, all in one kind of. Uh, package they had a, they had their own foundry they had yeah. like they had their own sail makers so they would yeah. they would pretty much do everything in-house and and so they would develop i mean he he was in not only an art naval architect but he was also an engineer he would design blocks and winches and like all, all sorts of hardware mm. and then yeah obviously they would they would be like the same type of blocks are you are being used on on all kinds of boats and all these cross references you can you can then see on on a portal like this. What a fantastic resource! No, talking about blocks, I know on Merrymaid we they used to the, the 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 block pin they used to be held in place with a penny. We had to source pennies and then drill and countersink the pennies to put them in. That was like the traditional style of doing it. So oh, really? These these little details. Yeah, when they, when it went through, they had these little... Uh, actually, I've got one right here. It's a old... Oh, ooh, I'm smacking my microphone. It's an old British old British penny with the uh, with the Britannia on it. Mm-hmm. And then the I think this one's King George on the other side. This is from um, 1918. But um, they would just drill drill two holes in it and countersink them and then that would be the pin that would be the cover plate for the uh for the pin in the block so finding those details can be very very difficult if you haven't got much to go on but a resource like the one at mit museum sounds fantastic yeah no it's uh, it's uh, absolutely mm. it's very extensive and i should have a look at that myself afterwards i've got to say like i have this uh, love-hate relationship with wooden boats i love that you have a wooden boat i want to come on your wooden boat <laughs> 
I, I don't want to own a wooden <laughs> I think being on Merry Maid was like six coats of varnish a year and the boom 60 foot long gives you an idea of how much varnish there was. It's like, right. you know, it's kind of done with varnish now. But I love the other I could watch it all day long, but I, I, I don't want to be <laughs> too involved in it. Not when my skill set's so low and I'm always like making a mess of when I'm doing it. In my, in my case, it's called job security. Yeah, exactly. Hey, you should mention uh, what's the name of your uh, your company. Where, the company where I'm people... working for is called Baltic Boatworks in Bristol. Okay, cool, yeah. cool. And uh, and what kind of size boats can you go up to? Uh, I mean, the shop fits sixty foot boats. Uh, yeah, whatever. Sure. Like we sure. do. I was just, we just and whatever's bigger or doesn't fit in the sh- inside the shed, uh, we would deal otherwise. Yeah, um, yeah, and that's that's full service. You can do anything, anything wood. We can do anything wood. We can, yeah. Uh, yeah. Very cool. Yeah. I got to come down. I I I want to get down to the US for so many. I actually wanted to do this interview in person, and oh. I I drove down to the uh, I drove down to the US border two and a half weeks ago. Got to the border, and even though my visa got me into the US in June for the work I did then, same visa would not get me over the border. Uh, two and a half weeks ago. So I drove because over of, the border because of, because COVID? of COVID. Yeah. No. Because I said it's uh, it's essential for my work. And they're like, well, you don't have a work visa for the US. So you can't get in. I'm like, well, I have an ESTA, which is a, a visa waiver. And my work is offshore. It's on a boat. So I'm not, right. nope, I'm not going to do it. So the uh, I drove 600 kilometers to the border. I went over the border. I was in the US for about 15 minutes. I got told, nope, not, that's not happening. I went back over the border, got told you're going to have to quarantine for 14 days and drove 600 kilometers home. So I, <laughs> by the time I was done, I had done, driven 1,380 kilometers, which is, I don't know, like, why am I? Too doing? much. Eight, 800 miles, 12 hours of driving, 13 hours of driving. And I then I had to quarantine for about two weeks. So it's like, okay, fair enough. So you- hence why there's been so many more podcasts recently, because I'm just like, I give up. I'll just stay home. I don't care anymore. <laughs> so you you were supposed to come here for a job? Yeah, I was coming down to, my idea was to interview you and I've got another interview I want to do with another lady called Leslie. It's got a, uh, um, uh, what basically adds up to a, a gunboat they've been uh, completely renovating and um, go and have a, go go out to sea again and go and do some more work. But it's uh, basically, you can't do it. We I, I knew of course that the restrictions were in place. So I, phoned the border crossing that I was going to and um, they said should be no problem I got there and then she said it doesn't matter what anybody in this office said it is your responsibility to make sure that your visa is absolutely what's required so I'm like what can you say like okay thanks very much yep turn around go home have another two week holiday at home (laughs) we'll get there in the end though we don't we're only living like uh, 200 miles 300 miles apart as a crow's flies so Maybe, no, a bit further actually, isn't it? Yeah, you're you're a bit further down. So, maybe, but no more than four hundred miles. All right. Yeah, it's pretty close. I'll come. I'll come on your little twenty-four foot boat, mate. I'd, I'd be petrified. You'd have to tell me what's going on. But uh, it hasn't got an engine, so the, I can't help you with that bit. The cool thing, <laughs> the cool thing about this little yawl is you have like a ton of sails you can mess around with. Perfect. You know, you Good. have like. Well, I'll, I'll watch you do that then. Where's the beers? <laughs> yeah, like, no, you have like you have like. <laughs> A mizzen stay sail and a mizzen spinnaker and like the whole thing. Yeah, I, I can feel the tremors coming back on. I've 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 dealt with those previously. <laughs> There's a reason why I sail composite boats with like one mast and very simple sails. But I can we race it? That's all I'm. I'm not really. Oh, yeah. I, 
you know me i'm like i kind of like racing i kind of don't like racing but oh, yeah. if it's your boat i could really enjoy racing it that'd oh, yeah, be awesome absolutely, absolutely. yeah absolutely I could, uh... maybe i should come up to uh what's that yeah. called uh up by you the uh um yeah you have this like famous race week oh chester race chester. Week. yeah well, that got called off because of COVID. So that uh, they did have something else uh, like instead down here at the Lunenburg Yacht Club to kind of make up for it. But I believe Chester Race Week is the oldest regatta in North America. Right, so so it's, uh, maybe, but, I should, maybe I should come up there. Well, 2021 is going to be good because, you know, a lot of races have ended up kind of not going and whatever. But I think what's going to happen, we're going to end up with a very good 2021 because the Marblehead Halifax race is going to happen. Then you've got the Halifax to Saint-Pierre race. And then there may well be something going from Saint-Pierre round and into Quebec. So there's going to be a whole, it might not be necessarily suitable for your boat, but I think there is going to be a good move of boats coming up the coast. And mm. and there should be so much more of that. Like, you know, uh, Nova Scotia, Maine, Connecticut, Rhode Island, they're all so complementary to each other. There's such great sailing areas. It should be a very common thing, but um, we shall see. It's. Uh, I was very intrigued by your announcement uh, of Iceland and uh, and even more Faroe. The Faroe Islands, yeah. yeah, I'm I'm excited as well. Like I I looked around and I looked at the market and, you know, when we started Spartan, we were it was totally new. We had ideas to go to the Galapagos and all this kind of thing, and we ended up doing this circuit like all the way around the Atlantic, which of course you know, um, it's very long, it's very difficult. We spend huge money on marinas, huge money on flying people backs and forwards to to, 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 to be crew on the boats. Um, the boats end up being left for long periods because um, because there's gaps between events. And I looked around and thought, well, what are the people doing? And then like Rubicon 3 and Andy Shell and all these guys, they're all going north. And I start mm-hmm. looking at it. It's like with COVID, we want to be in remote areas. We want to be in areas which have got a different kind of style to COVID, which a lot of the Scandinavian countries have. It's a case of, yep, just get on with it we've got ways now that we can make it safe with people testing beforehand. And I see that in the UK that they're talking about the fact that by the end of the winter, they may have a, a usable uh, vaccine on the go. So things right. are going to start happening in 2021. Uh, so having had this big reset, it's like, can we do things better? Can we do it different? And um, if I go to the Canaries or the Caribbean one more time, I'm going to like lose the plot. Like it's great, but it's just, it's just a merry-go-round all the time, all the time. So where do I want to go? It's like, I, I want to go to Iceland. I want to go to Greenland. I want to go and see these things. And I think that's what Spartan is for many people. They've got boats like yours that they love for what it can give them in their local area. But if you want to go and see something that's across the ocean, it's probably easier to get on somebody else's big boat, go and do it. And then they go, mate, you, you enjoy that for the rest of the year. So, um, yeah, I'm, 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 I'm pretty, pretty excited about that. We still got to do the Marconi again, then we'll go to the Fastnet and then, yeah, up to Norway, go to the, go to the, fields like but 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 your your plan is to do this with the with your uh um like open 60 yeah well initially the the uh, pride of nova scotia will will fill that first to like see are people interested that's six bunks um and two crew and then if people are interested then we'll bring challenger to the mix challenger's uh going to be doing the uh, uh ocean globe race in 2023 we're going right, to start yeah. opening I... that up uh, very soon for people um booking for that and then basically challenger will not do anything else apart from that race the idea is to put her in an as new position uh, she's already got the new keel new keel bolts all that stuff um we'll we cracked some uh frames doing the middle sea race we want to get in there and change the design of the forward frames that the turn on the 
where the deck meets the the um where the deck meets the uh hull that frame inside where it's a ring frame it's mm-hmm. like a really tight turn i think the modern style is to make it much rounder so we're going to make a few changes to her like that but she she won't be really available uh for anything else other than the ocean globe team uh from 22 onwards but for 2021 she's and are you going to drive it or uh i think i think i'll be driving the open 60 because uh it's the open 60 is even more kind of i've got people that can drive challenger i haven't got anybody that i know that can drive the open 60 it's um no i mean for the uh uh, ocean globe Globe, ocean globe i'm gonna drive one of them but my uh oh you put both in well, no, only Challenger is available to do the Ocean Globe race because it's only boats that ever did the Whitbread and obviously the Open 60 never did the Whitbread, so it's not eligible. But here goes the theory. I, I work on the basis that, that that looks like it's a great event. And um, remember, we did own two, uh, two right. Volvo 60s in the past, right? And I actually What, what happened sp- to that? Well, we had to get rid of the other one because times got tough and it's like, well, no, right, yeah. like just get rid of it. So... Uh, but I got a bit of a love affair going on with that boat. That boat was Yamaha. So I'm, <laughs> I'm working on the basis that if uh, Challenger is, and the Ocean Globe race is popular, then I may see if it's possible to buy back the other boat and then I'll take that one. But um, That's still in, uh, like in Los Angeles? Uh, yeah, it's in the port of LA. Yeah, So it's, oh. um, it, it's possible. The new owner's done some work on it and, and fixed things up. And um, I'm sure he'd be keen to uh, chat to me if, the, if I've got enough money to for the price he's thinking of but um that boat yamaha was uh, uh, yeah i was pretty excited when i realized that i owned that um when we when we got to it their their waterproofs from winning the 1993 whitbread race their waterproofs are still rolled up in the lockers their boots were still rolled up the shavings in the in the chart table were still from the last guys are on there it was amazing like museum piece um and when we had to get rid of it, my, my heart kind of uh, sank a little bit. So if there's a way through the Ocean Globe race and people getting involved, then um, we'll see. It's the same price as doing the Clipper race. So you can do the Clipper race, which is awesome. I was a skipper on that. Or you can do the Whitbread race. So we shall, we shall see what happens, see if people are interested. But um, I know you want to come. You don't have to say anything. It's fine. Don't worry. <laughs> I'm not going to say anything. <laughs> I need to get it skilled up. I want you on the boat, driving the boat and, and, and being the mate on the boat. We've got to get some qualifications to get you out there. I think you're happier on a 60-foot boat than you're on a 24-foot boat. I mean, I'm, yeah, I'm very happy on any boat. Yeah. But, um, yeah. but your sandwiches, man, your sandwiches rock so hard. <laughs> I, if I'm going to, going to sea, you have to, <laughs> you have to come. <laughs> All right, at three hours, I think we can let you go. Thank you so much for talking to me for so long, Phil. Yeah, no, thank, thanks for having me on your show. It's, no, uh... it's, uh, <laughs> I, I, that's it. Now your grandkids can listen to this. It's on the internet, mate. You'll never be able to get it's rid a, of it. But, yeah, um, whatever I, whatever I, I mumbled here. No, I, you know, someone, someone wrote to me just before this and said, don't do loads of interviews. There's so many sailing podcasts that are just interviews. I think some interviews are good, but I want to interview just like normal people who are normal sailors and just get back to sailing for me is like just making it happen somehow. Right. It's not all like super professionals and white sunglasses and shouting and screaming at each other. It's just normal people. And what you've done turning your life around and, and dedicating it to, to wooden boat building is, is hugely inspiring to me. So thanks for, thanks for talking to me about it. Thank you. (laughs) Okay. Okay.